is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There is only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's not it. One more. Get around. No. They saw your team. Put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days, they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this is the Sports Loud Mouth. Yay! Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beanie. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. You're a never was. We... Our back, ladies and gentlemen, as you know, a new show of the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. You can call us at 631-672-3108, or you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app by going iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio. Network. It is Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen, and a beautiful day here in Long Island, as it will be rainy for the next two days. Speedy Petey, how was your weekend? It was good. I went to go visit my parents. We actually had our family fantasy draft on Sunday afternoon. Uh, two Dodgers were my first two picks, was Bueller and, uh, and Freeman. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. I didn't do very well last year. We'll see. But a little disappointed. You said we'll see about seven times already. So there we go. No, it was only once, but okay. And then uh, we'll see. Little- we'll see is once. All right, fine, twice, but not seven. But okay. <laughs> Nevertheless, uh, a little disappointed that uh, Kansas won the national championship game. My I'm not. bitter enemy, but your bitter enemy lost, so I guess you're somewhat okay with that. But, uh, but who do you root for in college? I don't have one set team. I've liked, I liked a lot of the old Big East teams. I like. So some. how are they the bitter enemy? They destroyed my first ever bracket that I did when I didn't know anything about college basketball in 2008. Because mm. I had that Memphis Derrick Rose team winning it all, and Kansas had to win. Not only just win, win in the style they did with the buzzer beater with Mario Chalmers to send it to overtime and then they ended up winning so it just annoyed me because I could have done it that year and so I have a grudge with Kansas. Good congratulations I had a bad weekend because I hired yes I hired a sports agent over the last past couple of weeks has done nothing so uh, we decided to part ways but he did it in a really stupid dumb unprofessional way by texting it to me so a shout out to uh, David Bruner, one of the worst sports agents known to man. And yes, I'm going to throw him under the bus. Anybody that needs a sports agent, don't go to David Bruner, okay? Just so everybody knows. Uh, we have a great show lined up for you guys tonight. Uh, at 9.30, we'll be talking to former Orioles, Blue Jays, and Yankee pitcher Josh Towers. And at 10 o'clock, we'll be talking to IBW, I guess, double A Yankees member, Julian Gillarty. So, and Speedy, this IBWAA is stupid. I'm not going to do that. We'll be talking to Yankees member. That's what we're going to be doing. So I'm not going to pronounce something that makes absolutely no sense and nobody even cares to know what it is. So there you go. Uh, But as everybody knows, we will get into the Mets woes. Jacob deGrom could be at a significant amount of time uh, with a scapular injury. Uh, we'll also talk a little bit about the Mets and Buck Showalter coming out and saying that there is no sure thing that Max Scherzer will be the starting pitcher on week, I mean, I guess opening day. So 
that doesn't make any sense when you spent all that money on Max Scherzer. I don't believe that, but that's just what uh, Buck Showalter has said. Uh, we'll talk about the Yankees, obviously making some trades, adding a relief pitcher, uh, bringing back Greg Bird. Very interesting uh very interesting move by the New York Yankees. So uh, we'll get into the Yankees and what the Yankees need to do as uh, by the end of the week, uh, baseball will begin. We will have a season, 162 games. And if you're a baseball fan, you should be very, very excited. Uh, we will get into, yes, we're going to get into the national championship. That will probably be the first thing we're talking about as Kansas knocks off North Carolina in a stunning Stunning end of a game, I'll tell you that right now. North Carolina, who was playing fantastic in the first half, absolutely fell apart in the second half, and Hubert Davis should be ashamed of himself. So that, that's just my opinion. I mean, going into, this, going into the second half, I think they had a 17-16 point lead, and coughing that up to a Kansas team that looked like they couldn't have shot if they depended on it. But uh, we'll get into that in just a few moments. Uh, we will get into uh, what else are we getting into? We're going to get into some new receivers on the market. That's too. right. That's uh, Brandon right. Cooks and Terry McLaurin both rumored in trades as well. And uh, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens pretty fall far apart on their contracts as well. Who cares? I mean, they'll find a way to sign him. And if they don't, they'll trade him. And somebody will pick up Lamar Jackson and, uh, and regret that they did that. So uh, I think Lamar Jackson will only fit in one team and one team at all at all. And that would be Baltimore because they built that whole offense around him. So. Yeah. Uh, we will get into that as well. We'll get a, li- a lot, a lot of football too. Uh, obviously, the draft around the corner. I think there's like 20, 24, 25 games, five, twenty-five days left until the NFL draft. Where some of these teams go. Uh, Savarino, no. What's that mean, Savarino? No, I haven't heard anything about Savarino. Uh, did Savarino get hurt today? I didn't hear anything, but uh, we'll we'll see. I, Speedy, you look that up. I have not heard anything about Savarino. Um, but, uh, we, like I said, we have a great show lined up for you guys as the show progresses. Anything speedy? Did you find it? Do you, you type so fast during the day? Why can't you figure out what is, what's going on? Do you see anything? Any headlines? Luis Severino pitches four scoreless innings. It doesn't say anything about negative. Hmm. Whatever. Anyways, uh, why don't we get into, uh, why don't we get into the Kansas North Carolina national championship game? You know, watching the game, early in the game, I posted something on Twitter. I said, wow, it looks like North Carolina is lagging. And that was really the first five minutes of the game. All of a sudden, Kansas couldn't hit a shot if he depended on it. Uh, They couldn't even hit free throws. And they went through, I think it was four or five minutes without hitting a basket. And it looked like North Carolina was dominating. Now, going into the game, their big man, I forget his name. Baycott. Baycott, he was hurt. He had a hurt ankle in the Duke game. He hurt himself. Uh, He looked like he was lagging. He looked like he was in pain. Uh, But he played the full game, and he played with pain, and he didn't play such a bad game. But in the first half of the game, Kansas looked like they had their heads stuck up their asses. They had no idea what to do, how to score, how to play defense. North Carolina was out-rebounding them early in the game, and it looked like the game was going to end before it even started. And you, with Hubert Davis as a rookie coach, taking this team to a national championship, what a, what a win that would have been if North Carolina would have pulled that off against Kansas, especially what they did to Duke in the final five minutes of the game. But what we saw was a Kansas team that didn't quit. And then in the second half, you saw why their coach was the better coach in this game. Now, 
When you go into the second half, what do you do if you're you're down big? You try to figure out what you're doing wrong and do the opposite. What we saw in the second half is Hubert Davis play the same game he was doing in the first half. And then, I'm, I'm sorry, what? Um, Bill Self. Bill Self, he changed the whole game plan. Short baskets. And, and you saw the pace of the game fall in Kansas's way. And as the 10-minute mark at the, in the second half really was starting to take off, Kansas started shooting and shooting really well. Now the question is, you know, going into six, seven minutes of the game, what Northgate, when you saw Hubert Davis, he called a timeout, uh, and Kansas was on, I think, a nine or eight-point run with seven or six minutes left of the game. And you would think that after they went on that run and they took the lead, because at one point in the second half, they came back, it was 50-50. And Hubert Davis, you think, would figure it out and say, you know, we're, we're going to change it. We're going to change it. Uh, we're going to change it to a bigger squad or we're, we're going we're gonna to put more fast guys on the court. He played the same pace throughout the game, and he expected to win that way. And Kansas was the better team. Now, do I think North Carolina was an eight seed? No, I thought they were better than an eight seed. I would say they were a fourth or a fifth seed. That's where I thought they were. Uh, the fact that they they were ranked as an eight seed, to me, I, I mean, did it matter? It mattered the way the bracket was set up, but I don't think, honestly, it would have mattered. But what we saw in the second half was the battle of two coaches, one that's a rookie and the other that has experience, has won a national championship, and out-coached and outsmarted Hubert Davis and that front three in the second half of the game. Yeah, you definitely saw the bigs for Kansas that were in foul trouble start to hit more hook shots, float shots. They were playing more of a finesse game, but they were still utilizing them. A lot of times you would see coaches take out those players that have the foul trouble. Now, granted, they did at certain points in the first half, did Kansas, but it wasn't working for them. So they had to at least play them and use them in a different way. And they did that. And UNC, they attacked them, which I guess in the start of the second half is fine. You, you want to get them fouling out of the game, and then you play all small lineup, which is a big advantage for some. Somebody like Baycott, who was already playing hurt as it was. But once it wasn't working, you can't go into that bad of a scoring drought and expect a, a defense that has, yeah, granted they played well in the tournament, but still has struggled throughout the season to be able to hold against Kansas for so long. The way Kansas was hitting contested three-pointers against Villanova, they were bound to get hot eventually for shooting-wise. You saw Abai get it going in the second half after, after a rough first half. You talk about the missed free throws. He missed four free throws. And uh, Remy Martin had a bad first half, great second half too. And eventually they got it going. And Hubert Davis really never adjusted once those guys were having never adjusted. Yeah. Once those guys were shooting those threes, he never adjusted himself to get say, all right, maybe we should get our guard play involved. Now, granted, USC, UNC had some guys that weren't playing 100 percent. Like you were saying with Baycott, you saw Caleb Love limping a lot in the first half. He didn't play well in the game. He didn't play well at all. But they played fantastic against Duke Duke and, and didn't even show up to this game. But where I'm going to blame Davis for that instance is they were trying to use him in more of a creativity, uh, create your own shot role rather than just maybe a catch and shoot. Because Caleb Love probably could still shoot the ball well if he got open and another guy passed it. But he was trying to be the creator too much. And so was R.J. Davis, who played well in the first half, but really struggled in the second half, too. And that ended up making a difference as well. But again, 
North Carolina, they can't just be an inside game thing. And most of their points came off of rebounds, too. So once they were missing shots or turning the ball over, it would have been very hard for them to get it going. Uh, Carl says, Leaky Black getting in foul trouble and opening, uh, going to the bench opened up the floor for Kansas. I would say that uh, definitely did as well. And uh, Braun was the glue guy going 12 for 12. Yes, anyone that has an efficient game like that as a, not a primary option is definitely a difference maker in that game. And you definitely could see UNC only had that really in the second half with Puff Johnson. So credit, uh, yes, Carl, absolutely. And nobody would have thought that Kansas was going to win this whole tournament. Nobody. A lot of people thought they were going to be the first number one team knocked out of the tournament Mm -hmm. and they were the last one to stay in. Now, that's why, that's the magic of March Madness. It's always been the magic of March Madness because you wouldn't and you can't guess who's going to stay in or who's going to and they had the easiest easiest way all the way to the Final Four. They did. But uh, being that it was easy doesn't mean that it's going to be easy all the way to the Elite Eight or the Sweet 16 and then to the Final Four. And uh, they just played very well against teams that they should beat. And that was the problem with a lot of teams. I mean, Gonzaga didn't beat the team that they should have beaten in Arkansas. And then, obviously, we know what happened to Arizona. Who should have lost the round before, too. Yeah, and and listen, there were were teams like Villanova that knocked off Houston where everybody thought they were the hottest team in the tournament. They could have won the whole thing. So that's what's the magic of this tournament. You can't guess, especially it's all about matchups. In all of professional sports, even college sports, it's all about matchups and how they match up against each other, how they're going to rebound against each other, how they're going to be able to stop the perimeter and shooting and foul shooting and getting into foul problems. Now North Carolina in the second half were in foul trouble, and that really cost them because they had to play small. And Kansas, being that they're bigger, and they're stronger, and they're better, it showed with the last seven, eight minutes of the game, especially when that went on that eight, nine-point run where they completely dominated in the second half. And Hubert Davis, again, as good as he has been in the tournament, as good as he was against Coach K, one of the greatest coaches of all time, I don't know what the hell he was doing in the second half. Because when you're seeing your team fall apart right in front of your eyes, you call a timeout and you change it up. And it, it just... He didn't, he didn't really do anything. And that was the huge problem when you saw Bill Self. I expected going into the second half, Bill Self was going to figure this out and get back into this game. And he did pretty quickly. I would say the first five, six minutes, Kansas came back to the game. I think they were down by four. Yeah, 12-2 run. They got them right back in the game. The other thing that hurt North Carolina, too, is finally the lack of depth hindered them as well. That was a big concern for them going into the tournament, especially against a team like UCLA in the Sweet 16 as well. And even Baylor, even losing three guys from their championship team, still had a lot of depth on that team. And they were able to overcome all of that. But now with all the injuries and guys not playing 100%, yes, they gutted it out. Uh, kudos to Baycott and, and Caleb Love for playing hard in in those in those stretches, but still, he was horrible. Caleb Love, I know was he horrible. was. I know he was. But I'm saying because Carolina did not have that that depth that you saw other teams that other teams that are not necessarily higher seeded, but more talented or even just as talented as North Carolina. Because like you were saying, they're not really an eight seed like a conventional eight seed. Like they're a preseason top fifteen team. They probably on paper are like a three seed, and they just didn't show the depth once they had that all those injuries, and especially when Baycott got hurt. Uh, at the end of the game, too, Kansas was just attacking it, and they had no adjustment to that whatsoever. I really thought North Carolina was going to win the game. I, I really did. And, and to me, it, I, I thought because of the pace of the game and the way the North, North Carolina was playing and how Kansas couldn't hit a shot if he paid them to, 
They couldn't hit a shot for four minutes in the first half. And, and, and you saw Bill Self. He walked, walked off the court. At one point, I thought he was smirking. Because I really thought that he knew that this team was much better than they were when they played in the first half. And if their team played any bit better in the second half, they were going to beat them. I really believe Bill Self thought they were going to come back and win. It was a close game all the way to the end. No question that it was. But I think that when they came back from that 17-16 point deficit in the second half, I think that Kansas completely took the, took the pace right out of North Carolina, and the confidence out of North Carolina, the way they went into that game, beating Duke, knocking off the Duke Blue Devils, where everybody thought that this was just, it was fate, that Coach K was going to go into the national championship and run off into the sunset. They knocked him off. They knocked the great Coach K out uh, of contention. And, and then going into this game, it was a sure thing that uh, they were better than Kansas. And even though Kansas, Kansas was the number one seed, they, they believed that they had every bit – the talent to knock off the Kansas, uh, uh, the I'm sorry, the Jayhawks. Jayhawks. I always mess up their name. I almost call them the Wildcats. No, it's it's that's Kansas State, but it's it's weird. It's actually not a bird at all. I looked it up yesterday. It's actually a Civil War reference. It's even though their mascot's a bird. And I, you know, what's really interesting about you know Kansas, especially in this tournament. And by the way, Carl picked Kansas. I guess to good win job, Carl. Um, but I think he said he had them picking picking them to Kansas beat Gonzaga. Over Gonzaga. Um, you know what was interesting in this tournament about Kansas is, is the fact that every every year that they're a number one seed, and that's usually almost every single year. Yeah, they're a favorite. They're always a favorite on everybody's bracket. And and Carl might have been one of very few people that picked Kansas to win the national championship this year because everything that I've read and every bracket that I've seen, especially a bracketologist, thought that Kansas was going to get knocked out if not. Before the Sweet 16, in the Sweet 16. Well, they've had some previous vulnerabilities despite being high seeds. I think Kansas has the longest streak of any team in the NCAA tournament uh, being a top four seed. But they've also had some strange exits, too, in the round of 32, in the Sweet 16 a lot of the time, too. They made the Final Four in that game against Duke four years ago when Grayson Allen's shot was spinning off the rim. But beyond that, they really haven't had that ultimate tournament success on a consistent basis in comparison to some other uh, other basketball blue bloods, I guess as you would call it, like Villanova, like Duke uh, in the past. Uh, Carl says, I couldn't believe there was no timeout taken with nine seconds left when North Carolina got a rebound and pushing up the court. They had two. I agree, Errol, Kansas usually blows it. Well, yeah, Carolina messed up a lot of things, too, at the end of that game, too. First of all, the shot by There's Caleb Love. a lot to do Love. with coaching, which everybody knows. Caleb Love shooting that deep, deep three with 15 seconds left was inexcusable, too. You had time. Move the ball around. Take a better shot. If you're open, okay. But that was like an NBA range three that he was trying contested too and not only that then the set play after that was not ideal to have love try to maneuver with that injury as it was and try to ball create the, and you needed a three stop anyway. with the injuries I, I don't want to hear it if he was injured he was that bad he shouldn't have been playing okay facts are facts and and I understand you got to put your best players in you got to play your best players but if your best player isn't playing well and your best player isn't 100 percent why did he, why is he in the game he, as much as he gives you the best chance of winning, if he can't jump and he can't sink a shot and he hasn't played well the whole game, obviously there's a problem. Why is Hubert Davis putting him out there? Yeah, and at least if you're going to use him, use him as either a decoy or a catch-and-shoot type role rather than being the, someone that's being the he primary ball jump. handler. He couldn't jump. You saw that. In the second half, 
He couldn't jump. What's his name again? The big man. Baycotts. Uh, Baycotts, whatever his last name is. He couldn't rebound. He was limping the whole game. And he played fairly well for a guy that wasn't 100% healthy. Mm-hmm. And by the way, what Coach K said at the end of the Duke game is that he thought that he was player of the tournament. So that gives him a lot. That gives that kid a lot of credit, especially when he came in to you know college basketball, not being a rebounder. As good as he right. was, he he transitioned his game into rebounding because of Coach Williams. Uh, Carl also says, "Well, if you look at the final play." On a gift possession for UNC. Yes, it was. Manic stumbled on his cut and couldn't get open. Play was designed for him in the corner. Yes, that very much could have happened. But I also think, too, though, having Caleb Love as the ball handler, too, is not the ideal circumstance with him dealing with that kind of injury. Why not have R.J. Davis do it? Or even uh, Puff Johnson, who was the inbounder on that play. Why not have him move the ball? He was playing well in the second half. As well as North Carolina played throughout the tournament, that was an embarrassment in the second half of the game. They were embarrassed by a Kansas team where they should outplay. They were the better team going into uh, the championship game. And, and yes, injuries do cost teams. We've seen this. Uh, we'll, talk about, we'll talk about injuries with Do- Josh Towers in, in just a few moments about the Yankees because uh, we have seen years and years of the Yankees fighting injuries, and they still come out winning. So that's not an excuse. If you have a roster and your roster is good, you, especially making it to the final game, you go through the tournament, the whole tournament, and beating all the teams that you've beaten, good teams, talented teams, and knock off one of the greatest coaches in NCAA history, and then you go into can you go into the national championship game against Kansas, up by almost 17 points in the second half, and you choke. I mean. I don't want to hear it from Uber Davis. And Uber Davis really didn't make any excuses. But here's the, here's my question to Uber Davis. I know you're a rookie coach, and and that would be my if I was right there at the press at the end of the at the end of the game, and I'm sitting there, and I'm sure Uber Davis didn't even want to talk to the press. You know what I would have said to Uber? What were you thinking in the second half? Being that you were up by 17 points, you go on a the, the Kansas goes on a 12-2 run, and then with seven minutes left, when you you give Kansas an eight or seven seven point run, that you don't call a timeout and sit there with your players, and then either decide you're going to put faster guys out there, take your injured players out, or put the big men in so you can out rebound Kansas, which by the way was out rebounding you in a second half by 15. Carl says Baycott had six double doubles in six games in the tournament. Yeah, he actually has the uh, he was second all time for a tournament in rebound total rebounds uh, with ninety eight. But again, with his injury after that, those bigs were able to feast inside a little more. But Kansas again finesse game they played before that too, and it was a good credit to those two big men, uh, McCormick and Lightfoot, who are both experienced guys. What and, a great name, Lightfoot! <laughs> yeah, the, the guy that's been around forever too. He seems he's like he's been there for six <laughs> years. It seems yeah. like he's been at Kansas for six years. But, yeah, yeah and, but still, that was a good game plan as a whole to get that going. And I, Hubert Davis, even after that timeout, too, Kansas went on another run. I think it was an 8-2 run after it, that, it, it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. I don't want to hear it from the North Carolina fans on after the game, making excuses and blaming this and because of their injuries. I don't want to hear it because there was no excuse in the second half being up 16 17 points and coughing it up to a Kansas team well, let's be honest as good as they were as good as they were as a number 1 nobody thought they should have been there 
and nobody thought they really were a number one seed. No, I think most people in that region were taking Auburn as the, as the most popular Final Four pick in that region. Kansas was thought of as most people saw it as the number one seed that was going to get knocked out first. Yes. And they almost did in two separate occasions. Creighton almost beat them and Providence almost beat them. And it was a very ugly offensive game. Such a weird tournament. This, this year was more weird than any of the tournaments that we've seen. It really was. Purdue gets knocked out early, you know, not early, but gets knocked out by a team that nobody thought was going to knock them out. Duke goes all the way to the Final Four where nobody besides yours truly had them going to the Final Four. I, I, I mean, that nobody thought that Duke and North Carolina were going to meet in the Final Four the way, for the yeah, first not time. The way, not the way the Carolina was, even though they were streaking in, not the way that they played all season. St. Peter's goes all the way to the Elite Eight, a uh, number 15 seed. I, I mean, so many crazy things. Gonzaga and uh, Arizona gets knocked out, I think, in the, what was it, Sweet, Sweet 16? Sweet 16, both of them, yep. Sweet 16, nobody thought that. A lot of people had them both going to the national championship. Such a crazy, yes, crazy tournament. And by the way, Kentucky getting knocked out in the first round. Yep. I mean, come on, man. It was absolutely unbelievable. Great. Uh, and that's what makes college basketball so wonderful and so fun to watch. Carl says, only scoring 19 points in the second half was rough, as Errol says. And Purdue always gets knocked out. Ha, per don't, ha. Yes, and I still will never forget them for 2019 either. Uh, they should big, have never lost by five, up five with 15 seconds to go. A, a, a very big team, easy, the biggest team in the whole tournament, getting knocked out by one of the smallest teams in the tournament in St. Peter's. So yeah. figure that one out. <laughs> well, no, they, yeah. They could shoot, and like only of their three top players, only one of them actually played well in the second half. In Travion Williams, figure that one out. Horrible. Yeah, that, that's a that's a big big knock on on Matt Painter too. Mm-hmm. Even though he gets all these good, nice recruits, good analytic guy, um, but. Still. Analytics, analytics don't sell everything, and that's what, and that's going to be great because when we get Josh on in just one second, I can't wait to talk to him about analytics and shifting, which is getting taken out of baseball finally. After this year, we won't have to see that again anymore because I, I think it's horrible. Anyways, when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will be talking to former Oriole, Blue Jay, and yes, my New York Yankees pitcher, Josh Towers, here on the Sports Loudmouse. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Sports Loudmouths. You can call us at 631 672 3108. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app by going to iOS. Yes, it's Apple, ladies and gentlemen. Search WWSRN or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well, well, well. We were speaking about the Yankees. We got a lot of baseball to talk about. And when Speedy told me we were getting this guy on, I remember him from 2009 and with the Yankees. We are now talking to former Orioles, Blue Jays, and Yankee pitcher Josh Towers. What's going on, Josh? What's up, brother? How are you? I'm good, man. I mean, I'm not retired like you and enjoying my retirement. I'm a little, I'm still, I'm going to be 40, man. I mean, I'm looking at you. You're you're not too far, you know, off my age, man. I mean, you're 45. Right. You're retired, enjoying life. What is it like being retired from baseball? What have you been doing since your retirement from baseball? Well, listen, re- retirement is not all what it's cracked up to be. I don't know. <laughs> um, bored. I'm working. 
uh, doing some stuff like you guys, man, doing some radio stuff out here in Vegas on sports gambling and, and some mortgage stuff and chasing kids and uh, working on the golf game. Gambling. I mean, how, yeah. how many times do we hear gambling? I mean, my ex-partner from uh, 103.9, uh, Eric Coleman from the New York Jets, he's now doing one of the bigger gambling shows on MSG here, okay. Madison Square Garden. So he's yeah. enjoying it, but even though he stinks at it, by the way. It's horrible. I don't know how he is in gambling <laughs> or betting. So I guess everybody's an expert now, I guess. I'll tell you what, bro. It seems like it. All of a sudden, uh, you know, we opened this out here. I say we, Brett Musburger and the boys, opened this thing out here in Vegas a few years back, and it it really just set the tone for the entire country. If it wasn't for Vison, you wouldn't have sports gambling in every state. Uh, and now, all of a sudden, because you do, and you know, it's legal in most states, and now ESPN and everybody else has it. Uh, yeah, everybody's all of a sudden an expert on sports gambling. It's pretty funny. As everybody knows, we are talking to former Orioles, Blue Jays, and Yankee pitcher Josh Towers. So, what, so what has been the in, uh, the betting industry that you're into now? Like, what is? Are you surprised that it's grown as fast as it has, the way it has in legalized so many different states, almost all of them now? And what have those experiences been like? Uh, I don't think so because, you know, being out here in Vegas, we get to see it firsthand and, you know, everybody looked at it as a negative thing. Look at casinos as, as just a, a place where they just take your money and they saw sports gambling as the same thing. No one ever like, it's just one of the things you label it at some point and then you never really address it. So you don't know what it really is out here. We know what it really is. And so when these guys opened Beeson, they created a show called my guys in the desert and they <laughs> took uh Brett Musburger, who's famous, you know, broadcaster. And they took, a guy named Vinny Maiulo who works behind the counter and makes the lines. He actually works for the books. And they put a guy like me, a former player, and another guy, like a, a host like you guys. And it's like, hold on a second. Like, so you make the lines, but you're not, but you're trying to tell us how to gamble and how to be successful. And you're not really just trying to rob us. And you guys are trying to inform <laughs> us. And once they realized that it, it wasn't um, highway robbery, that like, yeah, there's a way to win and we're going to give you the information. It's fair. And we create all these opportunities to, uh, for you guys to succeed, people started to be like, huh, it's not really a bad thing. And now every state's involved making money on taxes and loving every bit of it. Well, you don't have to tell me. I mean, New York last year, last yeah. month, last month. Always, New York's always the last one. <laughs> last, yeah, but last month they made $120 million in the state of betting. The year, yes. bo- the, 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 the month before that, it was $75 million. I mean, it's ridiculous money right now, sports betting. So why it's not, not going to go away? So you know why not legalize it and, and reach some of the rewards of the tax benefits, et cetera? Right? Yeah, we're not. But reaching I ask. That. You're a huge Yankee fan. I'm looking in the background of your boy, and he's got the Red Sox stadium. It looks like to me, like <laughs> I'm actually a Mets yeah. fan, though. <laughs> I purposely do that. You know why? Because we we have a lot of Mets fans that listen to this show, and they okay. and they, they they like to. And, and by the way, we have some Chicago fans that want to call the Yankees Stankies. So what I do. To piss off the Red Sox fans is, well, I, I, I make it where I have Fenway Park. It's a beautiful place, obviously. I've been to Fenway. But I like to, you know, I like to stick it to the Red Sox fan, especially when the Yankees win, even though the Yankees didn't do so well in the wild card game. Listen, year, so. I, I've been to that stadium many a time, and the only cool thing is that monster. The rest of that stadium the dump. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. we got to take that take. I'm going to send it on social media. We are now talking to former Orioles, Blue Jays, and Yankee pitcher Josh Towers. So why don't we get into your career, Josh? Uh, yeah. we, we talk about eight years in the major leagues, and being that you played in eight years of baseball, which in the major league, it's not easy. I mean, people for years try to get up from the minors. Some people never even get a breath 
and step on a baseball field in the major leagues. What was it like having an eight-year career in the majors? Pretty cool is probably the, the, the answer. It's everything you just said. Like, you don't know, man. You're like, you just, you're out here playing baseball as an amateur. You don't know if you're going to get drafted. Then you do. And they send you some podunk town and you start playing baseball and not really understand what's going on. You just know that you try to be successful and the ultimate goal is the big leagues. And then you start to learn the business as you climb up through the minor leagues. Um, it's hard, dude. I've got to be honest. I mean, every year we have a draft, we have studs all over the place. And there's, I, I always say like, I could write a book uh, on all the reasons why guys do not make it to the big leagues. And it's not your talent. Your talents rarely ever comes into play. Um, there's so many different things. And that's why there's so many levels because the major league game is so much more advanced than any amateur game that you ever watch. Um, and so to be able to earn that opportunity to get to the big leagues, you're, you're pretty stoked. And then realizing, damn, it's pretty hard to stay here. Pretty good players because there's no level above it. So it's the pinnacle. So now you got to figure out how to stay here. And, and, you know, I'm in the AL East most of the time. I'm with the Orioles and Blue Jays. I'm facing guys like Derek Jeter and Bernie Williams a couple hundred times. It's like, how do I get them out 200 times in my career, et cetera, right? It's hard. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's everything you fantasize about, but then it just becomes a job. The first moment you stepped on the field in your major league career, what were those emotions like? Wow, man. It was uh, like coming out of a video game, to be honest with you. Ben Grieve uh, with Tampa was standing on second base, and uh, I think Vinny Castillo was hitting. And when I went to the mound, uh, Ripken was on the was on the third base, and David Segui, I think, was at first, and you know whoever was handing me the ball. And uh, it was two outs, and I remember as I was running on the field – um, as I run past Ben Grieve, I look up and it looked like he was like 10 feet tall. I mean, it looked like I just came out of, re- like, it wasn't in reality. It was like, I was coming out of a video game and nervous, man. And I threw one pitch and Vinny Castilla, he tried to buggy with me and popped up to first base foul, which was kind of cool. There was two outs. As that happened, we got third out. I go sit down on the bench and Cal Ripken puts his hand on my chest. My shirt's moving. You think you're going to be all right. He walks away, you know, tries trying to ease the tension a little bit. As everybody knows, we are talking to former Orioles, Blue Jays, and Yankee pitcher Josh Towers. And, you know, it's funny that you say, you know, it, it's like playing in a video game when you step on a field. And, and, and also, it's so hard to make it to the majors. But the same thing what you're doing as a, as a broadcaster. Now the industry has become cutthroat. Everybody goes through, you know, college. They're trying to get their foot in the door. And now there's everybody's doing a podcast. Everybody's doing this. Yes. And everybody's being an anchor and all that other stuff. So, obviously, after retirement, we'll get more into your baseball career but after your retirement what what made you decide to do a podcast i mean it's not easy and not everybody could do it so what kind of got you into it i've actually never podcasted uh you know it's funny i thought about podcasting like a decade ago um and it was like when it remember when it started it was like a lot of hype and then it just died it just went away it was like everybody's podcasting and no one did it and then all of a sudden joe rogan made this famous and now everybody in the world has a podcast and it's actually pretty cool because of the platform with social media you can put everything out there and you get to hear stories from your favorite people so now podcasting is one of the dopest things the broadcasting the 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 vcin stuff i kind of just found it by accident a friend of mine owns a restaurant here in vegas and he was having the grand opening i met a guy who had a I don't know, I made like a radio show like on the AM spot and he was doing like an hour a week or something. And so he asked me to come in and I did. And a guy that he had brought in works for VEASAN named Amal Shaw. And um, Amal just loved the way I you know, went about my business talking. So he asked me to come in and do his show. And I did. I came in for 15 minutes doing one segment. And before I left, they offered me a job. Hmm. So here we are. Uh, one of our fans, Carl, has a, has a question. Uh, 
Carl, did Mets you, fan? No, Carl is a Cubs fan. Um, <laughs> did, did you ever stay in the hotel outside the stadium in Toronto? He wants to know. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, God, it makes it so much easier, too. Sometimes, like, when you first get there and you don't have a place yet or, you know, when you're first there for the first time ever and you don't know where you're going to live, you just jump, stay in that hotel. Dude, it's dope because you uh, – Sometimes you get the the room that actually looks at the field, which is kind of neat, you know, but even though we're always down there, you're not watching any games, but you can take the back elevators and you, you, we walk through a restaurant, you take the service elevator downstairs. So you don't ever have to go outside. Like I can be in the Sky Dome or the Rogers Center, whatever you want to call it. I can be in there, go to my hotel room, sleep, wake up, do all my work, play a game, and you'll never see me outside. It's pretty cool. As everybody knows, we are talking to Orioles, Blue Jays, and Yankee pitcher, former Yankee pitcher, Josh Towers. Now, what was it like? And I know you weren't on the field. Well, you weren't in the game when right. 2009 when you when the Yankees won the World Series. But I know you got a ring. And mm-hmm. what was it like? Just experience the the winning a championship and and just partying with all the other Yankees and actually uh, just the parades and just the craziness of winning a championship. That was the last time the Yankees won a championship. Yeah, I didn't get all those luxuries, man. Um, I knew. When I got called up, I was with them almost the whole season in AAA. But when I got called up, uh, I knew that it was just – it was very – it was like extra inning type stuff. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to play too much. Um, I remember asking Girardi too. I was like, Joe, am I going to play very much? And mm-hmm. he goes, no, it's – here's your deal. I was like, perfect. I wanted to live in New York City and Manhattan because I was like, if I'm only going to be here for a month <laughs> and a half, two months, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy this city. Um, so I knew my role, and I knew I wouldn't be on the playoff roster. We, I mean, you go back and look at that, that roster from 09, and we're – God, I mean, count the Hall of Famers, but I mean, we were just loaded with everybody we had. So um, right before the season ended, there was about five of us. They called in the office and said, hey, you guys are just not going to be here for the playoff roster. And we were all obviously OK with that. I know I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I watched the uh, World Series from my couch like everybody else. But again, the cool thing is, is the Yankees are one of the best ran organizations in baseball. They get a bad rap for a lot of things. But as a player, when you get there, I mean, I was there. God, five days in AAA and, and Brian Cashman came down and he asked me what I thought. And I was like, it was always fuck the Yankees, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm an Oregon Blue Jay. I go, so I never gave you guys any, like any thought, you know, it's like, it's always trying to beat you. I go, but you guys are like probably the best ran organization I've ever been in. And you just have a tremendous amount of respect for them. And by how it's ran, it just makes you want to be a better baseball player. It really does. And when I got called to the big leagues, um, which I almost didn't, I didn't even go. He called my hotel room, by the way. <laughs> this is the only time I've ever heard this happening in baseball, my whole tenure. Um, Cause it doesn't work like this. Like you go to the field, your manager calls in the office. Hey, you're going to the big leagues. You're pretty stoked. Uh, we pulled up to uh, somewhere in Pennsylvania um, and I get a call in my hotel room. And the game I think is like a, it's like a two Oh five game or four or five or whatever it was. It was a day game. And this is like noonish. And I get a call in my hotel room and it's Brian Cashman. And he goes, Hey, um, we want you to come to the big leagues. It's going to be for a couple days, blah, blah, blah. Uh, there'll be a car there in a few minutes. And I was like, wait, why are you calling me? And he's like, uh, well, I just, you know, just thought I'd call. And I was like, I, you know what, man, I'm good. I go call up Flacco. Flacco's doing well. He's pitching. He deserves it. He's never been in the big leagues, man. Like he earned it. I go, I'm good. I'm in a good place. I don't need to go to the big leagues. And he goes, he goes, Hey, do you know, uh, do you know how much money? It's going to cost you if you say no from here till uh, opening day next year. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm aware. And he goes, is your wife now? And I was like, not really in her business, is it? <laughs> he goes, does she like writing that insurance check? And I was like, oh, you're cutting deep right now. 
And uh, he goes, hold on a second. And I guess my agent had called through right at that time. So he comes back and he goes, that was your agent. He said uh, to get in the damn car and get to New York. And I go, <laughs> and I said, bro, by the time I get there, it's going to be the fourth inning. Like, it just doesn't make sense. And he goes, no, it's just, we went 18 last night. If we have extra innings again, I'm going to need somebody just, I'm going to go, all right, fine. So I went to the big leagues, but I was like arguing with Brian Cashman about not wanting to go to the big leagues. I was in such a good place that year, um, which is crazy, dude. It's just crazy to think. I, and I still, to this day, don't know why he called me and not had my manager reach out. I still don't understand that to this day, but um, it's just, it, it's just an amazing, amazing organization. And like I said, like no one policed us. If I looked at a little scruff on you, I'd be like, yo, and you'd be like, oh yeah. And you'd run in and you never care. You didn't say anything. Like, it's just, it's just the way it was. And so, you know why they're always successful. People think that, you know, the Yankees pay for everybody, but it's not the reality. Um, and it's also why it's such a, a big thing that they haven't won since. Mm. And, and it is a big deal for the Yankees not to win in 13 years. So any of the locations that you were playing in, is there one teammate that's, uh, that was one of the funniest guys, one of the coolest guys, and a, a good story that stands out with that guy? Who would that be and why? <laughs> You're not getting any of those stories. <laughs> Listen, you know what I was going to say prior to those? So I was with the Rockies in 08, the Yankees in 09. In 07, the Rockies went to the World Series by the skin of their teeth. Uh, won game 163. Matt Holliday slid in, and I think he was actually out with replay, but they called yeah. him safe, et cetera. They had like 10 dudes that like – one of them played like halfway through the season. One of them had like four wins. A lot of them have at bats. They weren't with the team the next spring and maybe like they got traded that season. Anyways, guys who actually had wins in the big leagues, the Rockies didn't want to give them world series rings. And it was a huge argument in spring training the next year. And I'm sitting there going, you guys went to the world series. This dude had five wins. You guys got in by the skin of your teeth. Like, how are you not going to give this man a world series ring? The Yankees weren't like that. Like, I got a call in spring training with the Dodgers next year, and he asked me my ring size. And I was like, bro, I pitched in two games. I was in the big leagues for a month and a half. <laughs> They're like, that's not how it works with us. And I was like, that's why you guys, are, again, are, are such a great organization. Um, bro, I played with everybody. You got to remember, man, I came in. I was pre-steroid era. I was post-steroid <laughs> era. I was uh, pre when you got your first-round pick. You didn't go to the big league camp. You earned it. You went to minor league camp. And then I was, uh, oh, big leaguers, first-round picks go straight to big league camp. And, man, I've seen it all. Um, I've had some of the best teammates of all times. But um, guys like Orlando Hudson stand out as, wow. like, oh, is God, he don't ever stop talking. <laughs> and he's the funniest dude ever. And if you can't be in a good mood or ready to play or just energetic with him around um, – then you have no business being around. I, I like, I'm never going to tell you any of the good stuff. Cause uh, you know, some things we take to our graves, obviously, but I'll tell you this on field. Uh, I felt like I was probably the best fielding pitcher in the game. I was really good. That's the one thing I could do. And he was arguably the best second baseman in the game. And if I fielded a bunt on the right-hand side, he would like just cuss me out from second base. I filled it. I throw the guy out and he would be yelling at me at second base as the ball is going around. Don't you ever, those, those are my balls. You do not. And we would argue on the field about who's going to field a bunt. And he's playing second base back there. And I love the guy for it, man. But, you know, just, just fun stuff like that. Watching him and Mike Bordick wrestle every damn day in the, in the clubhouse and fight. <laughs> Mike Bordick. Couches are getting flipped over. And, oh, man, it's just, uh, there's a lot of good times with guys like Orlando. We are talking to former Orioles, Blue Jays, and Yankee pitcher, Josh Towers. And it's funny because one of our guests, uh, one of our fans over here, wants me to ask, he keeps asking me, uh, that he, first of all, he says your stories are great and you're a genuine person, but he says, can you ask him about how his arm is doing after a lifetime of pitching? So how's your arm doing now that you're retired? 
Yeah. Uh, still to this day, I've never had an injury. Mm. Still, like it doesn't. I don't feel like I ever played, to be honest with you. But I try to explain this to people because um, obviously I learned a lot about the game. I know a lot about throwing and teaching and all that good stuff. Um, and we're all built differently. Like my son plays, he's in college, but he's having major, major arm problems all the time. And we throw drastically different. So like, like Jacob DeGrom, like his shoulders are kind of parallel or kind of flat. Like mine were like that too. Like if I'm going that way, they, I kind of lean this way, which is unorthodox. Mm. It, 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 I don't create leverage to throw a big curveball, maybe a slider, but I condense my miss area. So my control is better, not intentionally. It's just the way my body was, was always, you know, just the way I did it. Um, so what it did is it didn't create, it didn't create stress. I didn't open up. I didn't do anything that added stress to my arm. I learned to let my body do about 95% of the work. And then right when I needed to release the balls, when my arm took over, so it was out in front. And so, you know, by default of having, uh, whether you call them good mechanics, bad mechanics, whatever you call it, by default, I just, I never had arm problems ever in is very, very lucky. I got to be honest, man. I mean, playing my whole life and then 16 years or whatever it was professionally to not, to not go into the knife or have any issues. Um, God, it's, and even to this day, like all the stuff that I've done with the kids in travel ball and high school and all the pro guys that I mess with. Um, I mean, I go out there and throw on a regular basis and it, it's nothing, dude. And I just couldn't get more lucky. Yeah. So I'm actually asked Carl's other question because it was also one of mine too. The toughest hitter you ever faced and why? Oh, there's two of them. Uh, Bernie Williams and Frank Catalanato. Mm. Yeah. And, and listen, Bernie would just, uh, God, I hate you. Um, <laughs> he like, he would just stand up there and just like, I just lived on the corners and he would just foul it in the dugout, foul it in the dugout, foul it in the stands, hook it in the stands, hook it in the stands until I made a mistake. And like 10 pitches later, and I used to yell at him on the field, like, just put it in F and play. Like, if I threw him nine pitches, that's a whole inning for me. That's a waste of an inning. Like, just put it in play. You're going to get a hit off me anyways. So stop wasting my time. And so then I would just be like, I'd just like do this to him, let him know a four seamer's coming and try to get him to hit it. Frank Catalanato, luckily I played with for a few years. Uh, and even in, we would inner squad with the Blue Jays and, and he was with the Texas Rangers. I think my first start, he had a home run off me too. Wow. But we would inner squad with the Blue Jays. And I remember like uh, one day in particular, he, I mean, he could do anything he wanted. He was the most amazing hitter I've ever seen. And uh, I remember Frank Menachino was playing third mm. and we're on the backfields and Kat comes walking up to the plate. And I'm on the mound and he looks at Menachino and out loud, he goes, Hey Frank, I'm going to hit it right by you. So you might want to back up. <laughs> and I already know he owns me, man. And I look at, and I got to look at Menachino. And I was like, dude, I got this bitch. Don't worry about that. He ain't hitting nowhere near you. And I swear to God, this dude works like four or five pitches and hits a laser right by Menachino for a double. And he's laughing all the way to second base. Like there was just nothing I can do. It's like, he saw the ball, but I learned, man, this is the craziest thing I learned. And this is the thing, like when, when a lot of people watch baseball on TV, you're seeing a generic product, right? You're just seeing a game mm. uh, that we all kind of have messed around with outside or whatever, but there's, there's such an advanced game going on, like with us in our heads, it's not physical anymore. Um, and I asked Frank one day, I said, why do you hit me so well? And he goes, well, here's the reality. He goes, your fastball's not hard enough for me to be late on and your off speed. There's not enough separation for me to be early on. He goes, so I get to hit your fastball into left center and I get to hit your off speed to right center. He goes, so you, I just sit in the gaps and no matter what you throw, I'm going to be right on it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, holy shit. So okay, so I see what I have to do. I have to really manipulate the timing or what I'm taking or putting on a pitch to, to get you to hit it to left field or right field and get you. I, I, and so then when I learned guys like Bernie and other people that 
were kind of having that same philosophy, whether they intentionally or not, I learned to like take more off or create a little bit more movement or sneak it on you a little bit more. And, and like, just like, I started doing that with Ichiro and I had a ton of success because like, I learned this through conversations with Frank Catalanato. It's just, it's crazy the stuff that we're really doing out there. Well, I will say this. Bernie Williams is one of the nicest people you'll yeah. ever meet. And I've met him quite a few times. He's an unbelievable <laughs> guitarist. Uh, and he's just a very, very funny guy, too. Just one of sweetest. You wouldn't think that when you look at Bernie Williams, he was a fantastic baseball player. But he was one of the better hitters of the last 25, 30 years of the New York Yankees. A fantastic, yeah, fantastic I don't think he gets player. enough credit. No, not at all. As everybody knows, we are talking to former Orioles, Blue Jays, Yankee pitcher, Josh Towers. So you talk about kids. How many kids do you have? And are any of the, your kids going to ride into the sunset uh, and get drafted to the majors at any time soon? <laughs> uh, I got two and a half. I got, I got three. Um, I have a daughter and a son. And then we have um, my son's best friend who we kind of adopted. He's been living with us for a long time. So, um, so the two boys are in college. They're both freshmen. Uh, Jack is going to CSN out here in Las Vegas. He's a middle infielder, third baseman. And then my son, uh, Ryan's at Loyola Marymount. He's a pitcher. Uh, and I'll tell you, man, he, not even just being a father, he is some of the best stuff I've ever seen. And he's a thousand times better than I ever was, but he's the one who's having issues with his shoulder big time. Um, and that's why I said, like, it's crazy that I never had injuries and my son's having a hard time staying healthy. He's fixing to have surgery here coming up on his shoulder. Really? Um, so we're going to miss some time. But he would have been probably the closest because his stuff is is that good. Best my pitcher. Daughter, Best my pitch- daughter plays a little softball in high school. She's a freshman. But uh, she decided after playing once in her life, like five years ago, she's like, oh, I'll play uh, softball <laughs> in high school. And I was like, what? Like, just like that? You're just going <laughs> to jump? Okay. <laughs> Let's see how it goes, man. And that's your that's your other uh, that's your other family member right there, right? I've got two of them, and she does not like. Let me see. She doesn't. She doesn't like when she's not getting all the attention. This is this one. Is that so, a is that and that looks like a poodle? Is it some kind of poodle? Uh, I think it's a cavachon. Ah, very beautiful. Yeah. She wants all the attention all the time. Well, who who do you think is the best pitcher in baseball right now? Ah, uh, it's Jacob for sure. It's not even close with Degrom. Um, he simplified the process of pitching and people are too dumb to realize what he's doing. But I mean, the hardest pitch to hit and uh, Cal used to always tell me this about Derek Jeter, the hardest pitch to keep your hands inside is down and away. I mean, it's just the reality of the pitch and the closer the ball is, the easier it is to keep your hands inside. And, and, and so Jacob pitches down and away. He lives in this little corner of the strike zone and it's fastball. That's a slider. Just kidding. Oh, it's a changeup. Just kidding. And he manipulates this little small pocket of a corner and he never misses. Mm. And so down and away to, to righties and, and he really buries the lefties. You got to respect his 98 mile an hour fastball. And then right when you do, it disappears. It's a slider because he makes it move after you make the decision to swing. And it just, it's again, it's so simple what he's doing. And we are too, in essence, stupid as pitchers to, 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 to do it, to, to like, we look at him and go, Oh my God, he's so good. We can do it ourselves. And we don't, we, we want to go over here and up here and down here. Six pitches later, simplify the process of pitching. And you got guys like Max Scherzer. How many guys earned their contracts after they got him? Clayton Kershaw, um, one of the best in the game. I mean, this guy's been. And the Mets team. got two of them. Figure that one out. And, and they're still not going to go to the postseason. That's probably that? true. <laughs> That's what's crazy about that team, man. Like you root for them, but 
It's not the reality. It's, un- it's unfortunate. You got to have depth. You asked it earlier. Why the Yankee? I heard you talking before I was on air. Why the Yankees always so successful? Whether they win the World Series or not, they're always around the postseason, right? Mm. Why? Because they have depth. They're like the Dodgers. They have depth. When 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 Roy Holiday goes down, they have somebody to step up, right? Like they have depth, and the Mets have no depth, and they don't understand that. Mm-hmm. So my last question was actually about that. Uh, the late great Roy Holiday. What yeah. was it like? What was he like as a teammate and a favorite memory of his? Oh, geez. Yeah, that's my dude, man. Um, yeah, I could talk about Roy all day, to be honest with you, because and not because he passed and, you know, whatever, but he's the only teammate. And I've had a lot of people that I've played with, a lot of Hall of Famers, a lot of whatever. Um, he's the he's the only teammate that like. How do I say this? Like if you were sitting around like right now, just sitting on the couch or something and he walked in, you'd get nervous that you're not doing something right. Cause he led by example and he was always busy and he was always doing, he would never let you see him sit down watch TV for a second, take a break. It's not his style. So like, if you weren't doing something like you felt guilty, like you, we didn't want to win for ourselves. So we wanted to win for Roy. Like it meant so much to try to get to the postseason just for him. And that's why when he got traded to Philadelphia and they went to the postseason, like, I remember talking to BJ Ryan that day. I was sitting in the sports book at, uh, at the M casino here in Vegas. And I remember calling BJ and I said, you know, Roy is gonna, and he goes, what, throw a no hitter today. And I go, yeah, I go, you know, it's going to happen. I go, how long this guy has been waiting to get to the postseason, and how hard we tried and we couldn't do it. And how many of us let him down. I was like, and now he gets this spot with Philadelphia. I said, guarantee there's a no hitter. And the dude goes out and throws a no hitter. Like <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't a surprise to us. Like knowing that man, it wasn't a surprise how hard he worked. Um, yeah, dude, I loved it. Oh, you know what? There's a story you guys may not even know. We signed AJ Burnett and AJ started following Roy around all day mm-hmm. and spring training. Uh, rightfully so. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so Aaron Hill and Russ Adams, were very young, very young first round picks. And they, they, they like, it was like Dora or something like where did, uh, where did my Roy holiday go or whatever? They're like making fun of AJ, like chasing Roy around. And I was like, you guys, I wouldn't do this. Like, you don't <laughs> understand. Like you poke at Roy and he may not seem like much, but you poke at him and like, whatever you do, it's coming back tenfold. <laughs> and so they made like a t-shirt or something like mocking AJ and doc. And I was like, Oh, you guys are done. And you don't have the money they have. <laughs> Next thing you know, like a week later, there's uh, we're stretching and there's a helicopter airplane flying around. And it's announcing a wedding of Russ Adams and Aaron Hill. And then we come inside and in our seats, there's uh, there's uh, invitations, full wedding invitations. They had tuxedos for these dudes. They decorated their cars. We had a full cake, every a full-blown wedding. And hell, and then they had uh, the post airplane flying around, congratulating them, getting married with the media. Like, it was the funniest stuff. And I'm like, man, like you guys made a t-shirt and they made a wedding, bro. Like you can't, you got to stay away from Roy. He might be quiet, but he's, uh, he, he's, he's nuts, man. I love them. Well, we really appreciate your time, man. And yeah. we would definitely like to get you on again. Your, your, your stories are fantastic. And, and we've interviewed a lot of ex athletes, a lot of ex baseball players. You, you're just so like straightforward. Your, your stories are just really, uh, what's, what's the word speedy? Just what, what would you call his stories? Like passionate, passionate, passionate but also, yeah. but also like very in depth. Like it, it, it's just natural too. Like, yeah. It, 
I, I just I, I just think that uh, who you are as a person, not only as an ex-baseball player, just as a person and, and the stories that you have and the stories that you brought to the show, we really appreciate it. And sure. uh, we'll be in touch. We'd love to get you on again. Yeah, let me know, man, anytime. Absolutely. We were just talking to former Orioles, Blue Jays, Yankee pitcher Josh Towers. First of all, like I said, we've we've interviewed all so many great athletes and and Josh is just like really straightforward and 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 the stories that he has and he's played with so many great baseball players. If you look at it, he played with Derek Cheater, he played with uh, obviously Roy Holiday, he's played with uh Matt Holiday. He played with so many great players and it just Fantastic, fantastic person. It's very genuine. Absolutely. That's the perfect word. Genuine, yeah. Genuine. Absolutely. Anyways, uh, when we come back, we will have a new guest on our our show. We will be talking to IBWAA Yankee member Julian Gillardi here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy PD. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Josh Tower, Speedy, fantastic get, really good personality. And and to go through his eight-year career and and put it in such a quick motion and and the stories that he had on Roy Holiday and and all the different stories that he had. Matt Holiday, it's fantastic when you get players like that. Even players that were in the league for eight years, but people don't even recognize it, don't remember him. But he recognizes all the other players that we recognize, and he tells those crazy stories that we never even heard. Fantastic guy, really is. And thank you, thank you for getting him on the show. Uh, well, we have our other guest. He's sitting in. He's waiting for us. We are now talking to IBWWA Yankees member Julian Gillardi. What's going on, Julian? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Um... I'm excited to talk some baseball. I know we're getting back into it here. Yes. Uh, we got a few days to opening day. Hoping it's not a washout. Uh do have my hand in a couple of different hats now, trying to set myself up for the season. Um, so I'm excited for that. The Internet Baseball Writers Association is something I just picked up recently. Uh gonna have a new article coming out for them on some of our minor league guys tomorrow. And I have like a continuation of it too. So it's been good. I got to interview a few players on the team, some minor guys. I even got Lucas Lakekate last month. So mm. things have been going right. And uh, looking forward to another fun season. And I'm sure you guys are going to do well, too. Oh, well, thank you. And and, and to me, uh, th- th- this is going to be a very interesting, fun season for the Yankees. There is no shifting. And I even brought the shifting to, uh, you know, to Josh because I, I think there was just so much more to get into. So, let me ask you this question. With the new CBA rules, do you like the new CBA rules? And does these new rules, in fact, help the Yankees moving forward in the next two or three years? Um, well, the thing is that next year, this year, we can still shift. It's the year after you can't do mm-hmm. that. And there's a couple other things. Um, do I like the rules? I love Universal DH because I was sick of seeing the pitchers Hey. Um, I'm happy we got rid of the seven-inning doubleheaders. Those were really bad. Um, 
I mean, they're going to fix the ghost. I mean, the ghost runner, I guess, after this year, the players wanted this year. I don't love that one. I'm trying to think what else they changed. There's a couple other things in there, but um, I do like most of them. So is there any rule change that you would have wanted to see implemented in the game to improve it and why? Um, yeah, I guess I could give you one uh, robo umps maybe because I'm getting sick of the bad strike calls. That really? I found with someone else earlier. I was like, I want to see the automated strike zone. Though I know it's not perfect either, but uh, the human element's not doing us any favors lately. Um, and I do like the Otani rule too. On another note, I think that's a good one. Well, what's the Otani rule? What what, what is the rule? Uh, he can basically stay in the game of DH when he pitches. Mm. But I call it the Otani rule because it's suited for him, but it could technically be used for any pitcher. Mm. Interesting. Very, very interesting, especially with the, the DH situation. We are talking to Yankees member Julian Gillardi. So let's get into the Yankees this year. And uh, obviously this lineup, uh, they made a trade for uh, Donaldson. I think it was a good move by the Yankees. If Donaldson stays healthy, he hasn't been in a lineup with this much talent, this much power in the lineup. Uh, Joey Gallo, this whole lineup is pretty fairly healthy going into the season. Even DJ LeMayu, who was fighting injury all season long last year. Do you see this team, if they stay 100% healthy, the best hitting team in the American League? Um, yeah, I think they got a good shot. You're gonna have to look at Toronto too. They they have some really good hitters. Uh, but the Yankees definitely have a chance because there's only one weak spot, and that weak spot might be turning into a strong spot. And Kyle Higashiyoka, if he can carry over some of that spring magic with all the home runs, uh, I think IKF is gonna be really solid at the bottom of the lineup. I think I could, you could see him improve from what he did in Texas. Um, I almost want to say it's like a D.D. Gregorius type move. Like, you get an unknown shortstop. Everyone's like, why is this dude here? And he's he a good hitter, up, too. He's a he fairly good hitter. Yes. The, fans. Uh, the only problem is he doesn't walk. He can hit the ball. He, his on base is really bad. And he's like a singles hitter, which is what the Yankees could use to spice up some of the homer bus mentality. He's got speed. He's not going to strike out when he plays good defense. Uh, those are three welcome things. So you mentioned Higashioka as being the the spring, I guess, breakthrough candidate this year. Yeah. Um, uh, what are your expectations for him now, kind of being more as a full-time catcher or at least more of a starting catcher? Well, I would say you could hit 20-plus home runs. I don't think that's too surprising based on what we've seen him do in the past and getting more playing time. I don't expect him to really hit for an eye average, but I guess maybe like a 225 or 230, I wouldn't be too – I'm set with, uh, I think, RBIs are not really too high for him. Normally, he hits all the solo shots, I've noticed. So, maybe like 50 or 60 revies, maybe like 60 if he if he gets it going well. I do expect him to call a great game behind the plate. He'll, he won't have as many pass balls as Gary. He's going to set the pitchers up better with his framing. Uh, he's even starting to throw the ball a little bit better. So, I think it's going to be a solid year for him. He doesn't need to be an all-star by any means. Uh you can get by with a light-hitting catcher, too. And I think if he's the worst hitter, then things are going relatively well for them. If he hits 20 home runs and has 60 to 70 RBIs, he's an all-star. I mean, how many catchers do that, first of all? And he is a great defensive player, something that Gary Sanchez isn't. And by the way, he's not hitting and see, he's not hitting right now over there in uh, Minnesota either. So I expect that to continue with Gary Sanchez. Unfortunately, Gary Sanchez, I don't know, it's a mental thing because I think he's a fantastic hitter. He just, I think he's mentally messed up in the head. But, uh, and, and actually, I love the move Trevino too, bringing him in, uh, uh, one of the best uh, defensive catchers 
in all of baseball. People don't even know that, but he, uh, he, he's very underrated catching-wise. So it was also a very good move by the Yankees. But anyways, everybody, uh, we are talking to IBWWA, double-A, um, uh, uh, Yankees member Julian Gillardi. So, uh, you know, Julian, we, we, look at, uh, we, we look at everything that's going on uh, this offseason with the Yankees. And, and after this whole, you know, I guess lockout or strike was over, everybody thought the Yankees were going to bring in some relief pitching. And there were, there's still a lot of good relief pitchers still up there, still available. The Yankees made a trade the other day. And, uh, Speedy, who did they bring in? I'm sorry. They brought in Miguel Castro, a former Mets. Uh, Miguel Castro, and they also bring <laughs> in another pitcher from the Tampa Bay Rays. If I'm not mistaken, uh, it's McKay. McKay, who a lot of people think, uh, you know, obviously didn't have such a great season last year. I think his ERA was at six, but uh, a lot of people think, uh, you know, obviously the analytics show that he would fit in Yankee Stadium, and he's a good pitcher uh, in in a, in a small ballpark. What are your thoughts to the acquisitions the Yankees made so far? And are you surprised that the Yankees, after the lockout, didn't make any moves for any of the big name uh, free agent type of? Uh, relief pitchers no I'm not because I think they have a lot of money tied up in the bullpen and a lot of bad money tied up in the bullpen uh Chapman's making too much money as much as I do like what he's done at certain times he's not he shouldn't be making 16 million dollars a year uh Zach Brayton's making 14 million he's not throwing a pitch this year so that's unfortunate I know injuries happen but I don't think the Yankees want to spend big in the bullpen anymore I think they want to try to fix that philosophy and spend in other areas. I'm, I'm more surprised they didn't get a starting pitcher, honestly. I was expecting a move with the starting pitchers because, you know, they went on Verlander. They had interest in Carlos Rodon. You've heard about Manaya interest, too, which didn't materialize. So. I'm surprised about that, by the way, because uh, the, the, the Padres gave up really – they gave up one good prospect, a decent prospect. The mm-hmm. other prospect was n- nothing special. They didn't really give up much from Manaya, and I, I still don't think the Yankees are done. I, I think as the season progresses and at the trade deadline, if they think and they feel they need another pitcher, they'll land another pitcher. I just don't think anybody became available. And Casilla is still a guy that the Yankees are very interested in. Yeah, I think so. Um, Chris Paddock was mentioned for the Yankees. They tried to get him Don't to want avoid him. trade. Um, not, yeah, that's not the biggest They got a good young honestly. prospect, by the way. I like yeah, the prospect. Yeah, I like yeah. him a lot. You know, the Yankees have been making a lot of tight moves to get that 40-man close. Now they're just missing one move left. Uh, I mean, Albert Abreu was pretty solid, uh, but I do like getting Trevino back, and he was out of options, I understand. I really like the Miguel Castro move, mm. to be honest. That's some of the better moves, I think, because he's he um he looked great today. I know it was just one inning, but he tossed a change of those ninety three miles an hour. Um he could throw like a hundred plus. I've said this before too. If you can fix him like they fixed Clay Holmes, you have something really good on your hands. I think Holmes is gonna be solid. I think the Yankees bullpen is so deep. I'm not surprising at anyone. I really think you have a lot of talent in there. And I think Castro's going to be a solid pitcher. You have Peralta for a full season now. Uh, Lucas Lake, he's still here. And they added Marciano, Schmidt, and Sears, too. Because the one thing I don't like, I'll change the subject a bit, but it does go with the bullpen construction. They have 11 bullpen pitchers and only three bench guys. I wanted 15 pitchers and four bench guys. I don't like the bench being so light with only three guys. 
I also don't think that the Yankees rotation was that bad. I, I think going into no, the season. No, it wasn't bad. No, I, I think the Yankees' weakness was their bullpen last year, which is usually not their weakness. And I told Speedy, um, I, 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 think, I thought the Yankees needed to make at least four or five moves for relief pitchers before the season, and they have done that. So uh, you look at what the Yankees have done. They've brought in four pitchers to you know the bullpen, which Loisica is going to still be in the bullpen. They right, still I, have, I forgot about him. Hello. Yes, Loisica, who I think is the future closer for the Yankees. Mm-hmm. He's the best reliever in the bullpen. Yes. I picked him to win reliever of the year. Yes. Um, I did do predictions for IBWAA, um, but um, I don't think they get published, actually, but I did do a bunch of them. But I think if, if they hit well, you'll see them. But I could post them, too, like maybe tomorrow or mm. Thursday or something. But I have a few fun ideas. I, p- I did t- pick him to get reliever of the year. I think a thing you made was a good point about the bullpen bowling games, but I think there's a couple of things you have to look at here. There was two problems. The starting pitchers didn't provide enough length, so the bullpen got tired very quickly. They had to use those guys a lot. Mm-hmm. I look at Chad Green. He got worn down quickly. He was pitching almost every day. And um, and then the other problem was that the games were so close that the offense wasn't scoring any runs, so the margin for error was razor thin. They couldn't even like give up a run or two because – that would give up everything. They weren't providing enough offense. I think if the Yankees didn't score, if the Yankees scored less than four runs last year, I think they didn't win like one game. I think that's what the stat was, something mm-hmm. like that. And they a lot of times they failed to score. It was like five or less was like doomsday for them, or like four or less was like doomsday for them, I think. Like if the other team scored more than five runs, it was a disaster for the Yankees. So one of the more polarizing arms has been Luis Severino. There were rumors that he might be going to the bullpen. Then he pitches four scoreless innings. He was in never a, going to the bullpen. In, in, in a start. So what do you think is the expectation? Can't for- stand, I can't, I'm sorry I'm butting in. I can't stand Yankee fans, okay? Because Luis Severino missed two years, and Yankee fans already want to just throw him to the bullpen. He's a waste. It's ridiculous. When Before he hurt himself, he was a, stop, he was a top Cy Young candidate for the American League. He hurt his arm. The Yankees give him an extension, and oh my God, he hasn't played, so let's throw him to the Wolves. Let's throw him into the bullpen. He stinks. Okay, go ahead, Speedy. So what are your expectations for him in terms of his spot on the team and also his stuff and his pitching style coming out of the injuries that he's had because he was very velocity driven when he was at his top of his okay, game. Okay, I'm going to dispel the bullpen notion too. Uh, I will help you with that. So that's a thing that fans suggested. It was never really an actual thought. The only reason you saw it last year was because they wanted to use him in some type of way mm-hmm. and there wasn't time to build him up to be a starting pitcher. He has had success in the bullpen. I'll give you that. He has looked pretty good out there at times. So it's not that for him because we've seen him do it. But He's a starting pitcher, and they're about to see what he can fully do. I think it's a make-or-break year for him because it's been a long time. He hasn't pitched fully in three years. I think it's time to see how far, how much I can get out of him. I know he's not going to give us 200 innings or even 175 probably. But um, he's the second starter right now. I don't love making him the second starter. I would have maybe made him the third to try to put his workload down. But maybe they'll mix and match that later in the year. So... He is the second starter. That's He's fine. He's have. fine. That's the expectation they have. I wouldn't expect the start to be tremendous, although spring training, his last outing was good. But you could see him struggle like we saw Tyone struggle early last year, although he has better stuff than Tyone. I'll say the stuff it looks like it's pretty much there for the most part. He's still hitting the high 90s. Breaking stuff still looks good when it's on. The thing is, he's got to get that fastball command on point because if he doesn't do that, everything else kind of falters uh, 
that's the main pitch for him. His slider is really good when when it's on too. So I think he'll be just fine. I would expect like 125 to 150 innings. Maybe you get a ERA in the high threes or like low fours. Uh, I was guess around the strikeout per inning, maybe a tick more somewhere in that range. So I think we need to see him get back to himself. He has a fifth year option. They're gonna have to decide if they want to pick that up. They need to see if he's a full part of this future rotation. If he's part, if he's gonna be that top tier guy, or if he's gonna be more of a back end guy, and that'll determine how they act in the off season at pitching. Their depth is tremendous too mm-hmm. behind him. Yes, I think so too. We are talking to uh, IBWWA Yankee member Julian uh, Gillardi. Uh, by the way. Uh, I think Savarino's going to have a fine season. I think he's going to pitch more than 125 innings, by the way. Um, I hope so. I just I, I don't want to pencil him in for more. I'm not upset that he's the second pitcher in this rotation. And they, their, their rotation is very deep. You look at the Mets and you look at a lot of, lot of the teams. The Red Sox rotation is not deep this year. No, the Red the, Sox rotation stinks. Yes, the Blue Jays rotation, you know, there's a lot of ifs. In that rotation. I do like it. I, I'm a fan. Yeah, the Blue Jays rotation, is, there's a lot of ifs in that rotation. They don't have a number one guy either. Uh, so, And that's just something. They lost their number one guy to free They have agency. a lot of twos. This yeah. season they have a lot of twos. And Alec Manoa, I think it has a ton of upside with them. He's definitely I would say, I would say out of that whole division, the Yankees have the best ball, the, the best a pitching roster, a rotation in that whole division. So that's an advantage that the Yankees have. You could also make a case to have the most complete pitching staff. If you go from starters to bullpen, I think you were kind of hitting on that one too. I think the Blue Jays rotation is uh, formidable though, because Ryu is like a two. I mean, Berrios is a two. Yeah. I mean, there's no clear cut one. I mean, Kevin Gosman, I don't think it's going to be as good as certain people think because he was bad in the AL East. His stuff is a lot better now. But I don't think he's going to be as dominant as he was for the Giants either. Thank Kikuchi's, God the Yankees didn't bring him in. I, yeah, I don't like Osmond. Kikuchi's whatever. I don't really think that's a big deal. Like he's like I don't even think he's better than Stephen Matz, honestly. So that Manoa's going to be good. I think Stephen Matz made a Stephen Matz, Matz made the right decision going to St. Louis, by the way, because I think he yeah. fits very well over there, especially in that young rotation and him being the third guy on that that rotation. St. Mm-hmm. Louis is going to be a dangerous team. Um, but uh, to get back with the Yankees, I mean, when the Yankees made that trade for Donaldson, uh, were you surprised that the Yankees yeah. took on a two year deal worth about fifty million, especially when they were talking? Out uh, bringing Carlos Correa, and then Minnesota signs Carlos Correa to the three-year, hundred and five million dollar deal, and then the Yankee fans are jumping off the curb. But the Yankees, the Yankees did this purposely. They helped Minnesota get Carlos Correa, and we bring in uh, an old Donaldson, who, by the way, hasn't looked healthy for the last three years. Who, by the way, was still a top five uh, third baseman in all in baseball last year, even with a short season. Were you surprised it wasn't about that? that? Short of a season, yeah. I was surprised by the whole situation. To be honest with yeah. you, how it all went down was my boggling to me because um i mean donaldson played 135 last year so i didn't see all, i think all those concerns are really over overblown mm-hmm. and 2019 he played 151 or something like that 2020 was a shortened season so if he missed time whatever like who who even cares honestly but um i was really surprised he took on that money because i thought they would have used that in a different area uh overall i've come to terms with this move uh he's a huge upgrade over Gio Rochella. Even defensively, despite what the eye test would say, the bats way better. Obviously, I was really surprised. Not that we dumped Gary Sanchez because I figured that would somehow happen. That one doesn't surprise me too much. I'm happy they actually did it because I know there was people thinking they wouldn't do Julian, it. Julian, Julian, did you know that uh, 
Uh, uh, Donaldson in Yankee Stadium is a career 333 hitter. He has 13 home runs in Yankee Stadium. Uh, he has more doubles and more triples in Yankee Stadium in the last 10 years than any player in all of baseball. So I'll do as that. A, as a visitor, as I guess. a visitor, as a visitor. Wow. Yes, that's uh, how, wow. How do you figure that one out? That's well, I, I did my movie. research. I did my research <laughs> when uh, when the Yankees made that move, where everybody was jumping off the bridge. I was looking at his numbers in Yankee Stadium, and now I could see why Cashman decided to make that move and bring him in. Kills the Fenway Park, which is another. Cool that's thing. another place too. I think he has ten home runs in Fenway Park in the last seven, eight years. So, so that's fun. You know, he's going to be comfortable hitting. In Toronto because he played there for a while, so that's cool too. Uh, I hope he does well in Tampa Bay. Baltimore is kind of a given. I would think they're moving the fences back over there. But here's the thing that really surprised me about it: the first thing is that IKF. I thought he was off the table once the Rangers traded him. I was like, oh, we're gonna get Crayer's story because they sent him to Minnesota. Who the hell thought he would get flipped like a day later to the Yankees? And then that was a uh, good move, by the way. IKF bringing him in. Good hitter, uh, good def- very good defensive, very underrated defensive player. Uh, the Yankees That's have gotten bread and butter. yes, the Yankees have gotten better defensively, a lot better defensively mm-hmm. this offseason, which That's is a benefit. So true. He has good speed, like we said before. They got better defensively. A shortstop catcher, first base to have Rizzo for a full season. Jay Bruce opened the year with us last year, so that's a huge upgrade in itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joey Gallo, yeah, I know, Jay Bruce. I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. Joey Gallo. I'm a Mets fan. Year. I live through Jay Bruce. <laughs> oh, wow. But um, <laughs> Joey Gallo. They last... have, the Yankees have at least three or four possible gold glove Defensive players on that roster. By the way, Aaron Hicks is back this year. So yes, that's big if he can stay healthy, I mean, he's a great defensive player too. Like this yeah, roster, I mean, yeah. Hicks is a big X factor. I really hope his health holds up. It's long overdue. And um, for Gallo at left field, we know he's a solid defender as well. Judge is a gold glove caliber defender. And IKF, that's three people right there. Even Rizzo, LeMayu. Uh, Donaldson has won a gold glove before. This is a good defense. This is yes, it's a, it's a welcome change because last yes. year we saw a lot of they were terrible. Let, let's let's be honest. The last five years, the Yankees' defense has been Bad. horrible. Especially horrible. last year. Last year took the cake. Like that in the base running situations. I think we also got better base runners yes. too now. Finally, Geo yes. was te- was slow as anything. Not good base runner. Gary Sanchez, we already know. There's no need to Please. say there. Luke Voigt had broken down knees. He couldn't even move properly. And um, I like Luke, he, but he, he just he didn't fit in this roster. Yeah, he had to go. Like he had to go wrong. They got a good just, player for him too. I, I really like yeah. this kid, Justin Lang. And if 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 the Yankees could develop him, the stuff that this kid has. I mean, and you're talking about 100. four. Yeah, he's got I did four my homework pitches. on him yeah. too. Uh, at first, I was like, "What the hell? Like, who is this guy?" I was like, "It looks like a money dump." And I was like, "No, it's a little bit better than that." Although I say it was a money dump because they didn't get back any major league salary and they cleared his money off the books. Like that's how I refer to it as a money dump in that essence, but um, Donald, taking on Donaldson's money was surprising to me. Uh, the Twins getting Carlos Correa. He's honestly, gonna be, not- by the way, Lang's gonna be better than Paddock. He's gonna be better than Paddock. I'm telling you right now. Well, I, thank I, God I would, the Yankees didn't so. get Paddock because I, I, Paddock it looked horrible. He hasn't looked good since his rookie season. Paddock. Yeah, he's like a four or five, honestly. He doesn't really move the needle too much. No, so he's I, horrible, I'm, man. I'm I, okay I, with passing on him, like I said. Now, for the one thing more Minnesota than Carlos Correa. 
I don't think anyone thought that was coming. No. It happened at like two in the morning. I was like, what the hell? Like Minnesota. Like I thought it was a joke at first. And then I like I saw it getting confirmed. I was like, wow, okay. He does a one year deal, basically, he can opt out. He just wants to get his thirty five to see he's gonna opt out hundred mm-hmm. percent. Boris gets all the money now too. Like I know what they did. And um he doesn't want us to be with Minnesota. <laughs> like they they were the only team that were willing to let him go for a year, I guess. Uh, apparently Baltimore was interested, but they wouldn't give him the early opt-outs. The Yankees were interested in him too, but the, yeah. here's the thing: with the Yankees, with the depth the Yankees have in their farm system with Volpe, Pariza, and then and now the kid that they got from the Dominican Republic, who's arguably one of the best prospect defensive players, and Sweeney and Vargas too. You have five guys. Yeah, in there. I mean, they have a ridiculous amount of depth. The Yankees are gonna have to trade some of them because they're mm-hmm. just not gonna be able to keep them. Yeah, they're gonna have to go for Pariza and the others. Volpe's gonna end up staying. Yes. Yeah, Volpe's the guy. He's, he's I think Volpe's their future. Dude. I think he's Volpe's the future. Yeah. Um, I got to see him in spring training because I was in the minor league complex. Uh, definitely worth all the hype. Uh, going to be down in Somerset tomorrow doing some media stuff. Mm. Uh, I should hopefully get to interview him. We'll see if he's available. I'm hoping. Um, but other than that, back to Carlos Gray and the Twins. I don't think that's the worst outcome for the Yankees. I mean, I don't think that hurts them too much in theory. It's Min- who's one of the Yankees afraid of Minnesota, not to just use all the playoff <laughs> numbers and everything. Never. But I'm never afraid of Minnesota. I mean, they can they can have like an All Star team. I mean, who cares? I mean, they're not their pitching's not even good really. Sonny Gray's are ace. I mean, their hitters oh, are actually formidable. I'll give them that, but it's not going to be enough. Like. They're taking our scraps and they're adding Carlos Correa and we're taking the money for Josh Donaldson. I mean, all right, let's go. Mm. So it's not, it's not uh, like Correa ended up on the Red Sox or like we're back to Houston or someone like. Really well, Trevor Stories is on the Red Sox, and that I mean that infield is is definitely. But we know where Trevor Story. Trevor Story. Trevor Story after next year will be the shortstop, and what's his name again? Bogarts. Bogarts will be gone. He'll be going somewhere for free agency because there's no way they're re-signing him, especially given what they they gave Trevor Story. There's no way Trevor Story's got got to like. They're gonna have to give Devers a contract extension. Yes, Devers will, but they're not bringing Bogarts back. I guarantee you, especially what they gave Trevor Story. No way. I think you're right there. I do agree with you Mm -hmm. on that. So speaking of contracts, one of the guys that has to be signed is Aaron Judge and had his one of his healthiest seasons and a great season, 39 home runs, 98 RBIs, hit 287 last year. <laughs> now we've seen in baseball the corner outfielders not getting paid as much and also these older hitters, especially right-handed hitters, not get paid as much. So what do you think will be the expectation for the a- annual value that he'll get and the duration, how long the contract will be for him? All right, um, Jaron Judge extension talk is the hottest topic in Yankee land right now, especially since spring training is over. So I'll throw my two cents into the ring here. I think um, you're looking at seven to eight years, somewhere in the range of 230 to 260, maybe even like 270 or something. Too much. Uh, I think the Yankees won't do that. Mm-mm. It's gonna be. It's gonna take a lot because mm-hmm. they're already saying it's gonna be over thirty million a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he need. He probably wants at least eight years. I'm assuming they're stuck at seven right now. I'm. I'm gonna assume the Yankees are probably trying to hardline seven, and he probably wants at least eight. It's not gonna be a ten year deal because of his age. So I. I would be surprised. You, you ready? You ready to know my prediction? Say the Yankees get him at six years, and he will get thirty six to thirty seven million a year. I, I think the Yankees will give him top money oh, right wow. off you the bat. So? Yes, I do because I can't see Brian Cashman giving him more than a six year deal. I, I, I can see seven as the lowest, just because if you do your plan, it's going to mess up their salary cap, and you know how they are frugal with that. Unfortunately, I don't think they're frugal. I just think they overpaid for Garrett Cole, and because of that. 
They they have to they got to figure it. They got to want and die because they got to pay Glaber Torres soon, or they got to decide what they're doing with Glaber. Uh, and I, I and by the way, Glaber's going to have a fan, what he's did it what he done and did in spring training. Glaber Glaber Torres is going to have a sensational year. Watch, he's going to be one of the best. Be well, too. Um, the problem is if they do that plan, then the cap over two seventy might be problematic. I don't think they want to go over two seventy. It's like two fifty two right now. Someone also gave me an interesting nugget. They could wait to announce it until like after opening day, so it doesn't count against the cap this year, <laughs> and it starts next year and <laughs> the years after. I mean, maybe that's a possible thought. I know the arbitration difference is four million because he wants twenty one. They're offering seventeen. <laughs> So that's something they have to figure out because the money this year is going to be lower, but it's all about AAV. So however it ends up playing out, they still get the Yankees will re-sign it. But I, I, I've been He'll saying, get, yeah. yeah, but I have a feeling that if, if Soda becomes available, uh, I, I could see the Yankees doing some kind of swap if they want Judge and they have so many good young players. Because I, I so I've heard stories that Soda wants to come to a big market, and he grew up a Yankee fan. So I didn't know that he grew up a Yankees yes, fan. I yes. know the Mets have had a lot of smoke around Juan Soto. Yeah, everybody has. Steve Cohen, so uh, he's going to have a huge market when he, his time comes. I think it's been three years from now, and uh, maybe sooner because Washington might end up trading him if they don't. If they know they, they will not. Him. They will not. Especially right now, the way this team is rebuilding, they have control of him for three years. I expect him to still be there for two years. His final year. Uh, knowing that they've given him an offer, eleven years, three hundred and fifty million. He wants. Uh, there are people saying that he wants between four fifty and five hundred. Um, I, I don't know if the Mets are going to be willing to do that. I could see the White Sox doing that, um, and also the Yankees if there becomes availability two, three years down the road, and if they do re-sign Aaron Judge, I could see the Yankees adding Aaron Judge into that trade and, and maybe other pieces to get him. So. Yeah, I agree 100% with that in certain aspects. Uh, could the Yankees make a run in Soto? They're going to have some money coming off the books these yeah. next few years, even with the judge extension. They're a lever money, like I was talking about before. You're never, I don't think you're going to see them go big spending for a levers anymore. They're going to get that $30 million off. They're going to be yeah. like, thanks, no more big money in the bullpen. They're going to start to allocate it to other areas, yep. I think. Uh, Ty owns a free agent. He'll have an interesting case, depending on what happens. Think, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you this: I think Luizica is their future, uh, their closer. Mm-hmm. I, Chad I believe Green it. might yeah. be gone too. Yes. he's also a free agent. Yes, I think this is the last year you see Ch- Chad Green. Uh, Luizica will be their closer. I, that's what I believe the Yankees are planning to do. Mm-hmm. It will be the Jonathan. Biggest question Luizica. mark is going to be Joey Gallo. What yes. happens with him? Trade him, and I think if it, and, and and the Yankees love him. By the way, he's a, he's a big fan favorite. The Yankees, all the players love Joey. Uh, if they extend him, he he would like to stay with the Yankees. But Gallo's mm-hmm. going to want if he has a good season, he hits thirty home runs again. He's going to want big money. He's going to want you know twenty five, thirty million. And I don't know if the Yankees are going to be willing. So at the trade deadline, yeah. I could see the Yankees moving Joey Gallo and trying to get as much back as they possibly can. Maybe a pitcher for him. Yeah, the only thing is if you move him, the outfield becomes a little complicated because I don't know what – that means you couldn't – well, I guess Stan has to be your full-time wet fielder. If they trust him to be the full-time wet fielder, mm. and then you have to DH Donaldson and you play the infield normally, I mean, that's a possibility, I guess. Or they could get another outfielder in there. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't cost as much, but – uh, that's a future speculative talk. Gallo is going to be there for opening day, at least, and definitely up until the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. I think he'll end up seeing the season through, though, because I don't think trading him, unless there's a scenario that trading him really makes him better this year, which I'm not sure if there's one that exists. I mean, I guess it depends. 
So you do a lot with the minor leaguers, so you have you watched a lot of the levels of spring training. So any surprises to you, both on the positive end and, and negative end for the Yankees? Yeah, um, I think Alexander Vargas was a pleasant surprise. He's going to be in Tampa. Uh, I got to interview a guy named Sean Boyle. He's a pitcher on Double A. I think he's not on the prospect list, but he's been climbing through the ranks. He pitched in every level last year. He's going to start in Double A this year, though. But he's a, someone to watch for. Um, someone else, Mitch Spence, is going to start in Double A. He's someone worth watching, I would say. Hayden Wesneski and Ken Waldachuk, I've also interviewed, but I could definitely vouch for them. Hayden's in Triple A. He's their third pitching prospect. Ken's in double A. He's the lefty who has disgusting stuff. He hits like upper 90s, has a bunch of cool breaking pitches. He's got like a curved slider, like a slurve type deal going. He's working on a color too. And um, he's their top ranked pitching prospect. Um, so that's cool. And a few other guys that stood out to me Elijah Dunham in double A, someone to look for. Um, Volpe speaks for himself. I don't need to say too much about him. Uh, he's as good as advertised. I would say Jason Dominguez was not quite as much as I would hope for. I guess he's still not, young. He's not in the point I would hope, but he's only young. He's in Tampa. He's got a long way to go still. Also got to talk with Austin Wells. He's been. He's going to be in um, Hudson Valley. So that was. I heard know, he's looked good, by the way. Yeah, he's, I've had mixed reviews. I do like him. The one day I actually interviewed him, he was really bad. So I was happy he took my interview. We had a rough day that day, mm. but. Um, he needs to work on his defense. His heading's there. He needs to work on his defense. So, and then other pitchers. I'm trying to think. Um, Estevan Florio hasn't been to oh, he had a bomb today, but I I don't like what I saw. On it's training, a shame. Really. It's a shame what happened to him. Ever since he's been hurt, he hasn't been the same player. He did and, hit a bomb today. Uh, uh, Oswald, it's spring uh, training. Who cares? Yeah. Well, no, he hit he hit him for AAA now. Yeah, he's but that's it, 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 to me. It's. Until you do it in the major leagues, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, that's to the me. thing. I don't know if he's major league caliber. He might just be a triple A dude. But it's a shame because uh, he was a top prospect. Oswaldo Cabrera's stud. I love Oswaldo Cabrera. I think he's going to be really good. Um, and then the Peraza's really good too. Um, They're not going to be able to keep Peraza unless they move Peraza to second base and they trade uh, Gleyber Torres. But yeah, I, that's I, the I, thing. I, Torres I just, has. Yeah. Torres has a shot to be moved. I think after the season, I would say. I don't think they. I don't think they're going to trade Torres. I think Torres is their future. I. I, I really do. I really do. I. I like Clayper Torres a lot. I. Just, I thought I'd still like him too, and I did get to see him down there. I think I was surprised they wouldn't move Peraza earlier. I thought he would have been moved already because mm. I did think Peraza was going to get traded. Yeah. Well, they could get a top prospect for Peraza. I heard he's a good defensive player, and he could become a really good hitter in this league. And he's pretty fast. Yeah, his uh, but, defense and speed are major league caliber. Yeah. Before sure. we let you leave, uh, we I, I see that you write for the Rams. What did you think of the Rams winning the Super Bowl and then adding Allen Robertson and some of the acquisitions they made this offseason to really uh, Bobby Wagner? I mean, this team is is stacked again. Yeah, uh, I, well, I, I actually did Super Bowl media day too, so that was fun. Uh, so I, I haven't really been on the Rams since like the Super Bowl because now I'm into baseball mode. But um, that team's impressive, man. Money just grows on trees. They don't even care. They just spend it. They they push themselves against the cap every year. They throw away all their draft picks. They they go all in. It's such a great mentality to have. Like you, you gotta love being a fan. I mean. The future, I mean, their window is still now, but in the next few years, it's definitely going to shrink. Of course. But they just won the Super Bowl, so you can't be too upset. <laughs> They'll win again. And you'd have to think 
they're just about as good as anyone in the NFC right now. Mm-hmm. I would say if I had to, I'm, I would say maybe they're better. Rams. They're the best team right now. In the if you look at the adding Bobby Wagner, I thought losing Von Miller definitely hurt. But then you bring in Bobby Wagner, who's a better player. I still think he's a better player than Von Miller. So yeah, they're it really even depends better. Depends what you're looking for because they're going to lose some sacks, but you're going to get a more shorthand attack. Oh, so obviously. much better. Uh, Bobby Wagner is a, a great. If he's staying, Bobby Wagner stays healthy. Bobby Wagner is a huge upgrade at the linebacker position. And I really think Al Robinson's going to be a nice move for them, too. I, much thinks... better. Much better than uh, uh, Robert Woods. Yeah. Robert Woods. And, and really, he had a bad season last year because he had nobody throwing to him. Now you have Matthew Stafford throwing to you. I mean, yeah, ridiculous. So it, it's going to be gonna ridiculous. They're going to have Cup. They're going to have Robinson. And you'll still have Van Jefferson, too. And Odell's going to go somewhere else, probably. And he's injured anyway. But I was going to say, I think the Rams and the Bucks are probably your top team. Teams in the NFC, I would if I had to guess. Right I would now. say the Rams in San Francisco. I, I, San Fran's yeah, in it too, yeah. but I like that bug. That Bucks team, and they got Brady back and all that. I still think they got some juice down there. San Fran's quarterback play is always going to hold them back, though. Like, what is Trey Lance? I don't know yet. The Buccaneers lost a lot of defensive players. Uh, they did. They did, and a couple I, offensive linemen. So yeah, so I, I think it's going to affect them this year. Um, they're going to have to do a lot in the draft to, to up this. And Gronkowski's probably not coming back either. I heard he's not. So, right. I mean, he's unsure. But if, if he's already talking that he's unsure, he's probably not coming back. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, that makes some good sense. I mean, if the Packers didn't lose Devontae Adams, that would have put them in the fray. But they just can't seem to get it done, really. The NFC East is very weak still. So, um, yeah, I mean, the West, the Cardinals, I don't really trust still. So I think you're looking at those teams there. Well, we really appreciate you joining us. We'd love to get you on again. Uh, you got a lot of knowledge. I love going back and forth with you as I am a Yankee fan. And uh, you also talk Mets and, and, and Rams. Uh, um, I was definitely rooting for the Rams to win the Super Bowl, especially uh, who they were playing in the Super Bowl. So. I, I like the Bengals, but uh, I, 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 if I don't want to see an AFC team win except the Jets, yeah, which I'm we'll a probably Jets guy too. Actually, yeah, yeah. we got a lot of the similar fans. Yeah, well, let's let's hope that uh, it doesn't take another fifty years for this team to actually go to. <sighs> yeah, the Super Bowl. it's gonna wide receiver ones or something. I mean, the draft's gonna be falling at two top ten picks. Uh, Looking forward to that. I think I, I think they'll make a move before the draft. I mean, I'm hearing uh, speedy. We're going to get into it if you watch the rest of the show. We there's two other wide receivers that the Jets are actually talking to right now that they could make a trade for. So uh, definitely keep listening, man. We really appreciate it. We'll be in touch. Thank you for joining us, my friend. Oh, no problem. I need time. No, how do I share this? What are you guys streaming this to? I was going to speedy. We're on Facebook. Up. We're on Twitch. We're Download on our app, man. Twitter and YouTube. <laughs> And, and download right. our app. Our app is very easy to download. If you if you go on iOS, which is Apple, uh, you search us at WWSRN as Worldwide Sports Radio Network. WWSRN. And if you have Android, all you have to do is search in the Play Store Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Download our app. You can read our stories, watch our shows live, follow us on all our social medias. I, I made sure that the app is so easy for the fan and the people to check it out. And you can watch all the r- latest shows that you've missed. All right, I'm definitely going to check that app out. Uh, I'm going to try to get into everything. I appreciate Thank you, man. That, we so. really appreciate it. We of are talk- We were just talking to IBWWA Yankees member Julian Gilardi. Nice kid. 
Really nice kid. Knows his stuff, and uh, he's gonna be uh, he's gonna be down with the Yankees. Uh, he's been down with the Yankees, and he was there at uh, Super Bowl day with the the Rams. And uh, he's a Mets guy too, so he writes for the Mets. So love the kid. Kid is uh, very very talented, and looking forward to getting him on the show again too. But, uh, Speedy, let's be in touch with him and uh, keep him keep, keep him connected, and send him all the stuff so he can follow us on our our, our app as well, so uh, we can stay in touch with him. Uh, great show so far, man. Uh, having Josh Towers and now uh, Julian Gilardi, uh, two really, really good guys. Uh, Josh Towers with his stories, Julian with his knowledge. I mean, I, I'm looking forward to this baseball season. I really am. I, I, I think this is a very big year for the Yankees. Defensively, I, I think this is the best Yankee team we've seen in a very long time. And I think the strength of the Yankees going into the season is their defense. It really is. I think the Yankees will be in these games because of the defensive style of game that they're going to have. I think Brian Cashman had it right. Last year, they were so bad defensively to upgrade their defense the way they did, adding a good shortstop defensive player, um, adding, obviously, Gallo playing for a full season, um, Rizzo playing for a full season, DJ LeMayu 100% healthy this year, Donaldson, who's a better third baseman than Gio Urshela, even the even the, the catchers, you bring in Trevino, who's a much better catcher than Sanchez, and then, obviously, uh, Hakochi, whatever his name Agashioka. is. Agashioka. whatever his name is. And then in the outfield, Aaron Judge is a good defensive player, Aaron Hicks is back, who's a gold-glove defensive player, and even Giancarlo Stan, when he does play here and there, he's not a bad defensive player. So the Yankees' defense uh, is as good as it's been in a very long time. And the roster and the lineup, Donaldson, if they can protect Donaldson and Donaldson stays healthy, Donaldson is going to hit 35 home runs this year. That is, that's a great bat. And Donaldson, you could put him at second. You, you could play him um, in, in, in the number two role. You could play him in the number three role. Or you could put him as your, your cleanup hitter at number four. I, I, especially when these guys get hot. You have such a good lineup where you can run. But I, I think what they're going to do is DJ LeMayo is going to be going one. Aaron Judge, two. Donaldson, three. Um, um, what's his name again? I'm sorry. Uh, Stanton. Stanton, four. Um, and then they could vary if probably Gallo, Gallo five, Gallo five, Rizzo ideal. six. I mean, that's what they're going to do. Glaber Torres seven, and then uh, their shortstop um, kind of Falefa. Yep. yep, and then obviously the catcher at you know cl- you know cleaning up you know at the end of the 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 you know the lineup. So I I think with the Yankees, it, 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 you're not going to have an easy role when this lineup is at full strength. It's not going to be very easy to pitch around these guys especially the, the protection that some of these guys are going to have. And I think Donaldson's going to see a lot of pitches this year. He's going to see a lot. You're definitely going to see a mixture, too, of different between analytical lineups and traditional lineups, too, because the Yankees have enough power to have the traditional lineup. But you still have somebody like Aaron Judge who hits second, which is the analytic move, and Joey Gallo if he hits fifth. You might even see somebody like Heiner Falefa if he hits very well because he's a, he's a great contact hitter and can which steal they bases. Need. They, yes, now they, they have, desperately need that. They have, they have three guys that are good contact hitters. They have Rizzo who can hit, and he, he, his OPS is pretty good. Uh, they have DJ LeMayu, right. and now they have him. So yeah, and Donaldson's a good contact hitter too. Even though he doesn't hit for average, he's a contact hitter. He doesn't strike out a lot, Donaldson. right? And like like Julian was saying too, like Kiner Falefa, while he isn't a guy that's going to walk a lot, the Yankees have those guys already with Stanton and Judge, and they don't they need just guys that are going to put the ball in play and make it harder for those at bats and make it harder for pitchers to just get in a groove. Because we've seen the Yankees if they strike out a lot, you see pitchers get in a groove against them, and pitchers that aren't exactly great either get in a groove against them. So that's I think a big ask 
asset to that lineup, too, in terms of making it easier for the middle part of the batting order, the second time around in the batting order, too, even if you do move him up a little bit in the lineup, too. And then LeMahieu should bounce back from uh, dealing with all those injuries last year because we know he's been a fantastic contact hitter throughout his career. The only player, the only active player, I think, to win two batting titles uh, in different leagues. So he's definitely somebody that you can maneuver around, too. And the Yankees can play it strategy-wise if everybody's healthy in so many different ways with the amount of power that they have, but also now the amount of depth that they have, which they always makeshift the depth for years with all the injuries they've overcame, but now they actually have it where it's in higher quality, too. Now, it's more veteran-oriented than we've seen the Yankees of the past with the baby bombers and stuff like that, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing to just have veteran leadership either. And the rotation's going to have a lot of depth, like uh, Julian was saying. I think this rotation's a lot better than people think it is. Uh, so, I, I, I mean, obviously, they don't have the powerhouse pitchers besides Garrett Cole. I mean, they don't have Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom at the top of their rotation, but who does? And right. uh, the Mets, the, the problem with the Mets is their full rotation isn't strong. Walker right. last year in the second half was horrible. Uh, they did bring Bassett in, but it, what's Bassett going to do against uh, hitters that he hasn't seen all season last year? You're going to have to see different lineups, different hitters. He's going to have to get comfortable in the National League. So I, I think... I think the Mets, as much as everybody thinks that the Mets rotation is as good as anybody or the best rotation in baseball, you don't know when Jacob DeGrom's coming back. You don't know if Max Scherzer is 100% healthy, and you don't know how Bassett's going to be in a full season in the National League. So there are a lot of what-ifs. With the Yankees, there might be one or two what-ifs with this rotation. Savarino's health, obviously, and Montgomery. Where are you pitching him? Is he pitching three? Is he your fourth guy? But Montgomery was a big part of the Yankees pitching, especially in the second half of the season. And and he was talking about Toulon, Tyone, Tyone, when I call him Toulon, but Tyone, uh, who pitched, uh, he was one of the best pitchers in the second half of the season last year. So uh, he didn't pitch well in the first half. He was horrible. But in the second half, his last six or seven starts, he was one of the Yankees' best pitchers. So uh, he was better than Garrett Cole, that's for sure. The last two months, Garrett Cole was horrible. I mean, and he was still up for Cy Young because yeah. of what he did in the whole season. Right. It, right after the, uh, the spider attack incident, after the All-Star break, he pitched great and then just fell apart late in the season, too. But, yeah, that's... That's hopefully what you're hoping for for the Yankees is more consistency yeah. throughout the rotation. Because you mentioned Tyone. He had his, he had a really bad start, which, is, again, it was expected. He was coming back from all those injuries. He was coming back from the uh, it was leukemia he had. And it, it, it was t- the fact that he battled back the way he did was very impressive. And he got to go to a winning team finally, got rid of the got out of the Pirates, which has been a dysfunctional And he gets to play with his best friend in Garrett Cole. Right. You so know. you kind of expected that. But now, again, full season under his belt now, more used to the New York, mostly more used to the Yankees now. You're going to get a better product from a consistency basis out of that kind of thing. You could so, only hope. Jordan Montgomery, again, another guy that has been good when he's been healthy. Can he stay healthy a whole season? And you wonder if the Yankees are going to try to adjust, uh, have him maybe adjust his pitching style where he doesn't have to rely on his velocity. You might was... have to trade him in if they want Castilla. I, I've, maybe. You know, I've been hearing that one of the, you know, Jordan Montgomery is a guy that. Uh, uh, Cincinnati is going to want. Sure. I mean, so you might have to give up a pitcher, a good pitcher, for a good pitcher. Right. And then this might Which, be a time to sell Casilla high. has a, a good upside. Yes, Much he more does. better upside. A lot of people are going to look at his numbers and say they weren't 
great for his standards, which they weren't, but that was really only rigged by the first two months of the season. After, after Memorial Day, really, he started getting back to the form of what he was in 2019 and 2018, where what I call him an elite pitcher, probably not, but he still was a nice young pitcher, all-star caliber pitcher with good stuff. The Yankees, I, I, the Yankees never do well with the control pitchers as much when it comes to the having... The Yankees do any well with any good pitchers <laughs> but in their farm Especially system. with the free agents, though, coming over. Power pitchers are what translates to Yankee Stadium a lot more because you that ballpark is very small. So trying to be able to finesse guys with ground balls outside of Tanaka, who did well when he came over there with that, with more softer stuff, I guess. Beyond that, they really haven't had any success with those finesse uh, change-up type pitchers, cutter type pitchers, obviously besides Romero. But still, nevertheless... Castillo's the opposite. He has hard breaking pitches, hard fastballs, and has good stuff. He just has to make it, put it back together for a consistency for a full season like he did in 18 and 19. As far as the Mets are concerned, uh, there is a lot of concerns with Jacob DeGrom. Yeah. There is a lot of concerns with this. Uh, a scapular, I, I've been reading about uh, where the scapular is. It's connected to the back. Jacob DeGrom over the years has had a bad back. Uh, he's been dealing with back problems now. This is connected to all the muscles for, to the back of the shoulder and the back. Uh, this could cause a lot of problems throughout the season. This is his throwing arm. And and whatever anybody says to say that he's going to be out for four weeks, he's going to be out a lot more than four weeks. I'll tell you yeah. why. He missed uh, you know the last two weeks of spring training. So think about it. He's going to have to have a second half of spring training before he plays in another game or plays in a major league game. So you're talking about instead of four weeks, you're talking about seven to eight weeks for Jacob DeGrom. So you might not see Jake until the end. End of end of June, like two, three week, the, the third week of June, which means you're you'll see him in the hot part of this, you know, the summertime, July, August, September. But again, Jacob has not been 100 percent healthy. He's been dealing with a lot of injuries over the last couple of years. He's only pitched 27 games in two years, and that is alarming. If you're a Met fan, who, by the way, uh, as as people will see, I, I did a clip which is going to be posted up next year. Uh, next, I mean, sorry, next year uh, tomorrow. Uh, where you can check out my new YouTube, which is going to be uh, the Sports Factor. Um, the factors are right now with uh, Jacob DeGrom is he's going to opt out of that contract. And he's going to want Max Scherzer kind of money. And that could be alarming if you talk about the Mets, where I don't know if they're giving Mark Scherzer that three-year deal. That could affect them re-signing a Jacob DeGrom. Yeah, and is again Jacob Degrom, who dealt with a lot of injuries in the minor leagues, was has been relatively healthy in comparison to the Mets. The rest of the Mets rotation over the years, we were talking about Harvey and Wheeler and guys like that have dealt with major injuries, and now we have to see how how he'll come back because he missed this whole second half of last season, the organization did not come out with why that ended up happening. It was a great mystery, whether it's a front office thing, whether it was his decision, whether it was managerial, they didn't say anything. So I'm convinced the Mets are because of the way they operate or covering something up. And now they're reaping the, I guess the downside of it, because now he's not going to be out a month. The Mets have always had trouble misdiagnosing injuries. A lot of the time where they have no timetable for return and they rush these guys back too early. Noah Syndergaard had that problem. Matt Harvey had that problem. And a lot of these guys out, we don't call him by his first name anymore. (laughs) We call him the dark Knights. Sure. Fair enough. But when he came back, all the stolen nights, because he stole a lot of nights from Met fans. Yeah. And did nothing. When he came back, it was nothing but darkness. And one of the biggest fall from graces of any baseball player you'll ever see. So 
the Mets just as a whole have these guys don't they don't come back the same way except for Zach Wheeler who came back with the Phillies and was a Cy Young candidate last year. So uh, the Mets I don't trust them with with this decision. It's not only when Jacob Degrom comes back and has how he manages after that because he doesn't get hurt again. And same kind of thing with Max Scherzer. They can't they they overcame the elbow fatigue now, but now he has a hamstring injury. But even so, you still have to compensate for the elbow fatigue when he does come back and not rush him back. Uh, Snug says Degrom is good for twelve starts a year. Hopefully it's more, mm. but it may be that pace. The Blue Jays are going to be the taking the batting practice off of most of the pitchers in the AL East. The Yanks rotation isn't scaring anyone. Since he is having a Miami Marlins fire sale and their asking prices are reasonable, the Mets starting staff is almost as fragile as the Yankee outfielders. DeGrom was going to be the best pitcher that never was. Amazing. Aaron Judge was 100% healthy. Yes, last he was. 148 games he played. DeGrom is going to be the best pitcher that never was. Amazing. And John Culler played on 112 games last year. So I don't know how fragile it is. And Joey Gallo, when he came to the Yankees, I don't think he missed one game. So I don't know how fragile the Yankees outfield is. The only person that's fragile in the Yankees outfield is Aaron Hicks. Right. Uh, amazing talent, but can't stay off the I.L. Carl says Metsville in trouble. Yeah. Snug says the best part of the sports factor is no one wears a stitch of clothes, guests included, but everyone has Probably a big true. style. And Matt, is Matt Harvey still in the league? Anyways, let's bring Nith hey, in. What's, what's going up, on, guys? Nith? How you doing? How was your uh, trip, Nith? It was lit. I was lit, of course. Uh, yes, <laughs> with your women no, no. and your uh, family, wonderful. Yeah, so yeah, uh, yeah. Me and my family went to Costa Rica, and I uh, met up with some friends down there, and uh, went par- went partying. And I'm sure you guys knew about my comments that were exploding. Yes, <laughs> yes. What you're yeah, drinking? You're five, yeah, you're, you're five of the same thing in a row. So we're <laughs> we're just talking about the Yankees, but, and um, obviously, yeah. By the way, Julian is my guy. By the way, he's he uh, he's a he's a he's a he's a dictionary of baseball, man. This guy knows his baseball. And um, I actually, we had the opportunity to do work with him. He's working with our show too, with NR. He does work with us sometimes. And obviously he writes really good articles and man, shout out to Julian. And I mean, what a great guy, uh, Kyle, what a great, I mean, Speedy, what a great guest to have him uh, to have on the show, man, because he knows about all about his baseball. Um, and it's, and like I said, we're lucky to work with him and, um, and he's he's doing big things and covering the Yankees and um, I, 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 keep tell, I keep telling Julian that he's going to be the next Ken Rosenthal. So, oh, so well, uh, that's uh, that's high praise. But I, yeah. you know, I to me, uh, getting back with the Mets and I, I look at the Mets right now and and it's, it, I know a lot of people a lot of people that were talking about how good the Mets are going to be that they're the sure you know National League East champions and and also. With this rotation, this is the best rotation in baseball with Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom on the top of it. The problem with the Mets is really not the top of their rotation. Even with Jacob DeGrom healthy and Max Scherzer healthy and Nat Bassett, it's the bottom part of their rotation. They don't have enough depth. And and if you look at their their roster as far as their starting their starting rotation, it's weak. Walker... Walker last year played very well the first, I think, his first seven, eight starts, and then he fell completely apart. And uh, there are guys right now in their bullpen that should be starters, and there are guys in their rotation I think should be relief pitchers. So I I think going into the season, as much as everybody thinks – and by the way, I'm so sick and tired of hearing from the Mets fans that uh, – what's his name again? Who they got from the Indians trade? Um, Carrasco. Carrasco. That Carrasco had a bad season last year because it wasn't 100% healthy that he'll have a better season this year. Carrasco is a washed-up pitcher. The Mets took that contract over. That was you the only way they were going to get Lindor. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you right now. as Yan- like Obviously, we're all Yankee fans in this building, right? Or, and, no, I'm a, I'm a Mets Yan- fan. 
Oh, you're a Mets fan. Okay. I'm a Mets fan. So, so me and me and Ur, uh, me and Arrow are Yankee fans. So let, I I I feel like coming into uh, Thursday, hopefully weather permitting, the Yankees get to play on Thursday. But um, they'll play. Yeah, they'll play. Yeah, but um, I, it looks like coming in, like what Julian said, the Yankees um, pitching staff has more depth than the Mets right now. In they my do, a hundred percent. Because Degrom and Scherzer, you you don't know what's both are concerning now with the injuries, and now and then an arrow brought up Chris Bassett, uh, even though he he's a good pitcher, but we don't know how is he going to do in the National League, and uh, and how healthy is he? Remember, yeah. he hasn't hasn't pitched really since he's got hit in the head with a baseball last year, so yeah, we don't plus, know what he is. And plus, now with the universal DH. Now he's not going to go. For, he's not going to face the pitcher. He's going to face a. That legitimate... wasn't the injury though. He got struck with a line drive. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, he's going to face a legitimate hitter as a DH. And Taiwan Walker, man, this guy—he struggled big time. He was last... a choke artist in the second half of the yeah. season. He could so not I, I pitch like, a strike. I feel like the Yankees have more depth than the Mets. There's and... no question they have more depth. They're, 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 I don't even think you think. I mean, if you look at their roster from top to bottom, even the trades that they made when it came to relief pitching, they have made uh, they made a trade with the Mets. I'm very surprised that the Mets gave away Castro. Castro. Yeah, yeah, yeah K- I liked Castro. Castro's a good pitcher. I, I love that move. And then, listen, the, the Yankees didn't give up much. They gave up uh, a Joel guy. Rodriguez. Yeah, Rodriguez, <laughs> who, who to me – uh, was a really a player they probably weren't going to use this year. Now, yeah, I think the Mets the, needed him because they they don't have any lefties. Yeah, and I think they lost loop. I think they. I think he helped the Mets. I I, I think. I, I mean, I'm sorry. I think the the Mets helped the Yankees this year to solidify their bullpen. They gave another power arm that they needed after losing Zach Britton. I they added McKay, who I think was a good move. Uh, who I think fairly fits very well in Yankee Stadium, but plays very well in small bar ballparks. And by the way, gets a lot of ground balls. So not a pop flies, and I think that's what the Yankees are trying to do. Uh, you know, significantly build uh, this bullpen that's been so weak in the last two seasons, which hasn't been 100 percent healthy. And Zach Britton's out for the rest of the season, so yeah, we're not going to see any Zach Britton, who's making 14 million this year. So I'm really looking forward to seeing JP Sears for a JP. No, he, no, he. This this guy is a top rated, not top rated prospect, but he's one of the. Uh, Top prospects in the Yankees minor league system. J.P. Sears, man, this guy improved a lot throughout his career in the in the minors. But I want to see Gill. Great, I want to see Gill again in a full season. I want to see this guy pitch a full season for the Yankees, who a lot of people loved what he did. I think he won seven straight games last mm-hmm. year. Um, I want to see him play a full season and 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 become one of the the more depth pieces to this rotation and maybe a future second guy or third guy in this rotation. I I want to see young pitchers get called up and actually fall into the Yankees rotation in the future. I don't want to see the Yankees make trades. It doesn't work that way. You cannot bring in free agents and pay uh, you know, high-priced pitchers. You need to build through your 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 farm system, and the Yankees haven't done that in their rotation. Look at why the Mets have been, you know, their rotation's always good, and the Yankees' lineup is always good. The Yankees can find hitters, but they can't find pitchers. The Mets can find pitchers, they can't find hitters. And they it, can't find relief pitchers either. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it's the complete opposite, and, and, and pitching wins ball games. Pitching wins championships. The Yankees know that, and you can't buy pitchers anymore because they're too expensive. As you saw, Mac Scherzer get a $43 million contract, highest you know, pitching contract in Major League history. So I, I, as a Yankee fan, I don't want to see 
uh, any of this anymore where you're overpaying players. Now, I want to get off of baseball. I want to get into this because we got a certain amount of time and we got an hour left, and I want to get into this uh, football thing. And the, the Jets have been trying to find a number one wide receiver, okay? They failed to bring in Tyreek Hill. I'm not upset about it, but they failed. And I know uh, so many you know, Jets analysts and so many play-by-play radio guys uh, were so upset that they lost the sweepstakes of Ty- Tyreek Hill. They were never getting Tyreek Hill. He did not want to play with the Jets. And by the way, he was not going to extend his contract if he got traded to the Jets. So the Jets were never getting Tyreek Hill. Now, they, they were, had no chance at Adams. Um, the Jets had no chance at any of the wide receivers that were available this offseason. Now, they added, obviously, tight end help, which they have always been weak in. But now you're hearing, Speedy, uh, they're, they're talking about bringing in Cooks, which I don't think is a bad move for the Jets. He fits the, you know, he fits this roster, a speed guy in the back. The, you can use him as a running back type of guy, uh, you know, the slant type of guy, a slot type of guy, maybe an outside type of throwing, you know, with the speed that he has. You're not going to have to give up much for Cooks. You're talking about maybe a third or a fourth round draft pick for Cooks. But if you went after a Tyreek Hill, you would have to give up two seconds and a third. So uh, I don't think that's fair. And now we're hearing McLaurin, who is another guy where Washington, the commanders, might not be able to sign next year where he's a free agent and extend him because he's going to want high high money after seeing Adams and Tyreek Hill get the money that he got. Now, do I think he's going to get Tyreek Hill money? No. I think he gets Amari Cooper money. I think he can get $20 million. I think he can get $19 million. Uh, do I think the Jets will be willing to trade McLaren, uh, McLaurin that kind of money? Absolutely. If they can get McLaurin. Because, listen, Tyreek Hill got $25 million a year. I don't think McLaurin is Tyreek Hill type of talent. I think he is... Uh, you know, uh, right there, he's a number one. He's right there at the end of number ones right now in the league. He could, uh, he's still fairly young. He's 26 years old. So, uh, you know, if the Jets can make a trade for McLaurin, uh, they would probably have to give uh, at least a second for him, maybe a second and a fourth for him yeah. uh, to get somebody like a McLaurin. I don't well, think you have to give up a first. I don't. But uh, I, that's a story right now that I'm very interested to see what the the Jets are going to do. But I still believe the Jets are not going to bring in a free agent unless it's a Brandon Cook, a small move for them. Uh, I think they're going to try to keep the picks that they have and and draft uh, a top-end wide receiver in this year's draft. Yeah, speaking of the receiver, um, I heard a, uh, I saw something on Twitter where the tie, someone tweeted that the Titans are not going to trade A.J. Brown right now. But if they change their mind – Rich Amini said on uh, quote tweeted saying uh, the Jets might be interested in AJ Brown. Do you know why they would be interested in AJ Brown? One, Elijah Moore is like his brother. One from Old Miss. Number two, Corey Davis played with him in Tennessee, so that that's a connection there. And three. They don't have a declared number one. And A.J. Brown would love to come to the Jets because of all the things that I said. And the Jets are still a team that is rebuilding. Okay? Mm-hmm. They, he, I, I, the Jets are not expected to win this year. They're not. And A.J. Brown knows that if he, if he decides, uh, you know, if, if he becomes available. So he's also going to have to decide. And I see what Jeff is saying. Uh, the Jets ain't getting McLaren. That's fine. But they're, uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff, obviously you're doing your research. If McLaren does become available, the Jets are the lead team to get him. So you can say whatever you want. And let, and let, let I, I understand that Jeff doesn't like the Jets, but 
Jeff needs to get out the head out of his ass because all he does is post about the Cowboys and the Jets where he should definitely look at his, uh, you know, his New England Patriots who he loves, Parker. <laughs> he loves Devontae Parker so much. Devontae Parker sucks, okay? So you got a wide receiver that's a tidbit uh, better than any of the wide receivers that they have over there. And don't give me your shit that you think Devontae, Adam, Devontae Parker is good because I loved it when you gave me that take the other day that you think Devontae Parker is good because he's not. Speedy, you think Devontae Parker is good? He's a big-bodied guy, but— Do you think he's good? I, I would say he's a low-end number two receiver. He's not good. Okay, and the fact that they brought him in means they're probably not going after a wide receiver in this year's draft in the first round, which to me even makes it even more laughable. So good I luck. I think this makes, uh, this makes Nikhil Harry more expendable in the trade. Well, they don't play him anyway, so <laughs> I don't know how much trade value he has left. You're probably not going to get more than a sixth round pick for him I mean, because if he I were the, play. Yeah, if I were the Jets, though, um, they need to focus on the draft for receiver. Uh, like I said. I mean, uh, obviously, this is a deep receiver draft. I love the receivers in this draft. You can get mo- you can you can get good quality receivers, not only in the second round, third round, fourth round. You can find receivers. So the Jets can focus on in the draft, or if a trade comes up, some opportunity, big opportunity comes comes up. I think the Jets should pounce on that. Like for example, AJ Brown we just mentioned, but. I think they need to focus on the draft more in the, uh, for the Jets and when it comes to receivers. Absolutely. I, I think what the Jets need to do um, going into this draft is is decide how they're going to hit it and what they're going to hit when it comes to free agents. And what is he saying? If Devontae Parker is a number two, then the Jets only have n- n- number, number 145? Whatever, <laughs> whatever. Jets, first of all, Jeff, I'm, I'm just to let you know, as much as you think uh, Devontae, Adam, Devontae Parker is so good, he is a Corey Davis type of player, okay? That's what he is. Yeah. He is a Corey Davis type of player. Matter of fact, I take Corey Davis over him, all right? So that tells you how good Devontae Parker is. So please, don't sit here and try to sell me that the, the – uh, that the the uh, Patriots made a sensational move for Devontae Parker, which you you made it laughable about the Cowboys. Listen, if the Cowboys got him, you would have laughed at that. Now that your Patriots got him, you 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 think that he's like the next thing since sliced bread. Give me a oh, break. Speaking speaking of the Cowboys, I'm happy that we didn't get him because uh, the Dolphins was asking for a first round pick from Dallas, and Dallas would never give up a first round pick like that for uh, uh for a receiver. So. I think I and uh, you know I'm so mad that we we could have got more for Amari Cooper if you think about oh, yeah. it. And we only got yeah we only got a second and like a fifth round. No, you didn't even get a second. Got, you got a fifth and a sixth. Yeah, we could have got more for Amari, but I'm I'm happy that we're not trading our first round picks because the Dolphins definitely asked Jerry Jones for a first round pick in order to get Devontae Parker, and I'm happy that Jerry Jones Sam Pat because I feel like the Cowboys are going to look for a receiver in the draft. So and watch out. I think he's going to be the guy from Arkansas going to Dallas Burks. or, or Burks. the guy from Ohio State. What's his name? I, Which I, one? I, There's two Ohio I States. I don't see the Cowboys drafting. Olave or Wilson. I don't see the Cowboys in the first round drafting a wide receiver. They have too many – they have too many holes right now in that roster. If they go after a wide receiver, they've they drafted C.D. Lamb a couple of years in the first round. I cannot see the Cowboys drafting a wide receiver. I think they wait until the second round, wait until somebody falls, and then they draft a wide receiver in the second round. I'm telling you right now, the Cowboys are not drafting a wide receiver in the first round. And if they don't, Burks will not be there in the second round. 
Snug says Nikhil Harry's on the trading block, and I don't think anyone is banging down the door to get him. Devontae Parker's the second best receiver in the league. Yeah, okay. no, he's the be- second best Devontae in the league. Oh, and then, uh, haha, wishing for that second round pick and Olave to the Cowboys. And Jeff has arrived. Here we go. Let's hear this. What's going on? Shit bum. Shit bums. You're all. What's up, Jeff? <laughs> Hello, Nathan. How are you? Good, um, how about uh, you? Are you are you streaming live from EJ Perry's basement? <laughs> <laughs> If it wishes he was. No, he, his, he is. He's probably. He probably has more money than EJ Perry. <laughs> my, my basement. My blink, basement blink twice if you're being held hostage by a Brown University quarterback. <laughs> Jeff, you're Jeff. You're man. You're you're funny, man. You should be a comedian. What's up, Jeff? Look, Devontae Parker is a lot better receiver than you guys give him credit for. And as far as the Patriots go, even though the whole thing wasn't about the Patriots, great. They don't have like a real definitive number one. They have four twos on that team. That's still pretty goddamn good. First of all, I, I the way you make it seem like Devontae Parker is is he's a good wide receiver. Well, first I, of all, I just called him. First of all, I just called him a number two. Right? I, I don't even I, think he's. I think twos. he's. I think he's a, a really. It, like outside of the box, number two. I, I mean, Devonte Parker is a really good wide receiver. His only problem is health. If he can stay healthy, he'll be productive. The years that he was productive. Okay, let's go through. Twenty nineteen was his best year. Twenty nineteen was his best year, uh, and he played sixteen games every year. 14, 14 games, fifteen games, thirteen games, eleven games, sixteen, fourteen, ten. Right, last health. year was his. Last year was his only year that he played 10 games. He played majority, you know, he played a lot of games almost right, every You had single... 11 games in there. You had 12 games in there. He's missed time. He's had some health issues. Yeah, but and, he's... It, and it also hasn't helped, by the way, that rookie quarterback with Tua, and before that, throwing him the ball, terrible Ryan Fitzpatrick and horrible Josh Rosen. All right, you say terrible Ryan Fitzpatrick, but Ryan Fitzpatrick threw to Brandon Marshall, who had 1,400 yards. But, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick threw to Eric Decker, who had 1,200 <laughs> yards. When was that? A decade before he was with the Dolphins. I mean, come on. I mean, come on, dude. Twenty fifteen. <clears throat> and 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 by the way, no one's going to the Jets. You can wish for McLaurin I'm, or I'm, AJ Brown or. I'm not. I'm, first of all, first of all, first of all, first of all, Jeff. First of all, Jeff. I'm not wishing anything. One, number two, it's not a wish. The Jets have more than enough draft stock if they want a player and he's he becomes available, they can get him. Okay, yeah. there's no. They, yeah, they could. They just don't. Tyree Kill. Uh, no, that's fine. Tyree Kill. He was first of all. I'm not giving up what they were going to give up for Tyree Kill. And let's see how good no. Tyree Kill is over there in in Doesn't Miami. Matter. Which every single Doesn't person matter. expert that I've heard thinks that it's not going to work over there. Right. Doesn't matter if you would have given it up or not. Joe Douglas, who you repeatedly praise, did give it up. And and Tyree Kill said no. First of all, they didn't give up any first round draft picks for him. So I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't didn't say first round draft picks. I said they gave up. I said Joe Douglas offered up what they offered up and it was the deal was taken and there was another one taken and the the chief said, take your pick, one of these two teams. Mm. And and they said, the first team is New York. And he goes, oh, just the other one. I don't need to know who it is. Just just the other one. First of all, it's not just the other one. He lived in Miami, and that's where he wanted to go. It was never the, never the Jets. The fact that the Jets were giving him an offer was the reason why they were in the stakes. But, I, 
Right, but but let's go back to all your other previous arguments. It's New York. Who wouldn't want to come to New York? I never said that. New York's where you want to be. Uh, I never said that. I never said that. I never said that. Say it about Jeff. I never said that at all. Jeff, you always put words in my mouth, and I I never said because of the Jets. Now, a couple of years ago, yes, the game is completely different. And by the way, I don't want the Jets to give up any picks. I draft the wide receiver, get the best person you possibly want uh, when it comes to their pro days, and it looks like it's. Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson looks like he's right. going to lead to get picked. Right, right. But you, you have repeatedly said, and this isn't putting words in your mouth, that you implicitly trust Joe Douglas. Yes. Whatever he wants to do in the draft. Right. Joe Douglas gave up all those draft picks for Tyree Kill. He did. There were two accepted deals, and Tyree Kill said, "You have the your Jets." So for, the Jets well, first of all, for, first of all, the Jets give up. They were giving him two second, two seconds and a third. The Jets didn't have to give up any of their first, their two first round draft picks. Right. That would have been. Hey, listen. That would have been fair in, in his eyes. It, they didn't do it. it. Thank God it didn't happen because Jeff fans should not be upset. All the different analysts that were crying about it, Tyreek Hill wouldn't have made the Jets that much better. He wouldn't have. He would have given them maybe one more win, and that's if what he's going to Ty- do for Miami. Kill, if Tyreek Hill can't make the Jets any better, nobody can. Okay, we'll see. We'll see how good he is with Miami. Here's my prediction of Tyreek Hill this year. He has 900, maybe 1,000 yards, and maybe four or five touchdowns. That's what he had. That's what he's going to have this year. That's all. Right. Yeah. But yeah if he's lucky. He's got terrible because t- he's got left-handed Tebow that, throwing him that, the ball. That's fine. And, and what are you going to do to find yourself a quarterback? By the time I, by the time you find yourself a quarterback and they actually play, he'll be gone. He'll be a free agent. Maybe. Maybe not. Mm. All we know for sure is that no one wants to go to New York. That's fine. That's your opinion. I don't believe that. Not an opinion. How many times they've been? How many years over years after year they've been searching for players that had plenty of money that tried to go and get guys and no one shows up. Oh, really? Like Danian Tomlinson didn't show up to the Jets when he wanted to go. He no, could have went Danian anywhere. Tom- he could have no, go no, anywhere. Ladanian he went to the. Tomlinson didn't show up. Yeah, yes, no, he did. Ladanian Tomlinson had his choice wherever he wanted to go, including the Patriots, and he picked the Jets. No okay. one wanted Ladanian Tomlinson. That's, that a lie. That's, a lie. <laughs> That's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. No, it wasn't. It's a lie. Go look at it. That's a lie. All right, it's it's a lie, Jeff. You like to make bullshit and you like things coming out of your mouth okay oh and by God. the way and by the way Bart Scott Bart Scott when he became available he's one of the best he was one of the best linebackers in the league and he went to the Jets so yeah, don't tell yeah, me that guys, they didn't want to go yeah, some guys take money oh some get out of here they didn't overpay you know for what? Bart's even, uh, Bart. even money couldn't get Anthony Barr they, he was like oh man yeah, that's okay. well that's good because Anthony Minnesota. that's great because Anthony Barr sucks so good Good, 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 great, great, goodness gracious. You notice how you notice how everyone that doesn't choose the Jets sucks. He does. Well, Tremaine Johnson chose the Jets, and he got worse. Well, that's the, that's the Jets effect. Everyone gets worse with the Jets. Yeah, okay. Well, he was also a two-year whatever, wonder, whatever, Jeff. C.J. Mosley, C.J. Mosley, all pro linebacker, plays with the Jets. God damn, he's in the ICU every week. Yeah, C.J. Mosley. That's why he was an all-around uh, one of the best linebackers in the league last year. Yeah, great. And Anthony he's Barr, terrific. your great Anthony Barr last year had thirty-eight tackles and two and a half sacks. Wonderful season for what the Jets were going to pay him. Give me a break. The guy stinks. Thank God that didn't oh, go everyone, through. Everyone he did. He stunk. You're going to tell me he wasn't. You're going to tell me he didn't stink. 
Brett Favre went to the Jets. I firmly believe. Dude, he just likes to. He likes to attack the Jets. Brett Favre went to the Jets. This is my actual real belief that I think that every player in the league is just riding out their contract until it expires, so then they can all go to the Jets. No, you know what your problem is? You're a hater, and you hate the Jets so much. You'll throw yes. All that losing. All that losing. I'm a hater of losing. Well, we'll see how good the Patriots are this year with Javante Parker. They might not be all that good. They're kind of just standing pat. They're kind of just going for bargain players. But again, they you know what's so funny about you? You, you? you know what's so funny with you? you? You'll you'll say that now, and then if the Patriots are any good, you're going to say, "Oh, I told you." You like you like blowing your Patriots up when they're playing well. You like blowing up, and when they stink, you say, "Well, I knew they were going to stink anyways. They shouldn't have even been there." I love it, Jeff. I love it the way you are. You you yeah. you go one Listen, side to the other. Patriot, level-headed Patriots level-headed, fan. I've seen yeah. too much winning. Yeah, too much that. winning because you had Tom Brady and he's no longer there anymore. So where's the level-headed well, winning? Where's oh, well, the winning? Sometimes, sometimes great players, dude. They made the playoffs last year. What oh, do you great, the and they got they the, and they got yeah. killed, and they got killed by Buffalo. Yeah, they. Yeah, but you want to know what? Where did your Jets finish? Oh, that's right. They're picking. Uh, by the way, by the way, nobody thought that the Jets were. They were the youngest team in football, and they're even younger this year. They're going to be the youngest team in football again this year. They're rebuilding. They're be so great when they all mature. They're all going to get older. I didn't say kids. that. I didn't say that. But guess what? They have some good young players that you could be excited about. You're not going to yeah, tell you me. Wanna, you you want to know what I heard that exact oh, like you, you've go. used that line so many times. It, it, it's on repeat. You know. Oh. Uh, Sam Darnold's been in the league three years, and he's still the youngest quarterback in the league. Yep. He's still got something. Sam Darnold's still the youngest. And no I, one cares. By the way, as much as I said the Jets shouldn't have traded Sam Darnold, they made the right decision doing what they're they doing. They did make forward. the right decision. Yeah, they did. They did make the right decision. They did. They did. I completely agree. But for how long was his ball bag in your mouth going? He's been in the league three years. The same, still the youngest. The same Sam Darnold that you said was going to ab- absolutely be fantastic this year. Not me. And That's Yashid, Matty Cap. Yashid, Not no, me. That's no, Matty no, no, you said it. You said it that that you you believe that Sam Donald's going to have a great and the Jets have made a mistake. I thought he was going to have a good yep, year. Yes, he did. Great, he had a great four games and then three games. fell off a cliff. Three games. And he fell off that, a cliff. That's, that's exactly where Max Kellerman's cliff was. It went to Sam Donald. He was right <laughs> off the cliff. Whatever the case is. The fact is, is that you, when you hate a team, you like to put them down, and and that's fine. You hate the no, Jets. No, I'm not. I'm not yeah, putting them down. You hate the I'm Jets. Telling, I'm telling you the, the truth. But you, like I, a petulant child. No, kid, I'm not a petulant child. I'm listening to your bull. And the fact is, is you like to just attack a team, just like no, you like to attack no, the Cowboys. No, it doesn't matter if you have a young team. It doesn't matter. No, no it doesn't. One cares. No, no, it no, doesn't. It, doesn't. It, it, no, does, it doesn't. it does. It does when if if you find a quarterback and the quarterback <laughs> is any good, and this team actually. You know, works together and builds together and grows together. Yes, it does. It it's, does. It's promising. Listen, it's promising. It's nice to be like, oh, we have some youth on the team that could be here a while. But the problem is, I'm, dude, I've been watching the Jets for 20 years. They play the Patriots every year. And every year I hear the same thing. Oh, they, oh if this guy sticks around and develops. Nobody people. thought the Jets were going to be a playoff team. And nobody thinks they're going to be a playoff team this year. But next year? After this year, I do believe the Jets are going to be a playoff contending team. I, I don't know. Patriots, Dolphins, and Bills are all pretty strong. Oh, yeah. That Dolphins are great. Have... They've got t- – you just said two was throwing the ball. Yeah, fantastic. That's fantastic. Big, big running game. And Tyree Kill, by the way, he can run some Jets. Their offensive kind line of and... is horrible, Jeff. Horrible. Worse than the Jets. That is the worst. Worse than the Jets. Yeah, definitely worse than the Jets. <laughs> 
The Jets' offensive line is Miami's- the best. For, hold on, hold on. The Jets' offensive line in that division is going to be the best offensive line in that division this year. A hundred percent. Miami has been the worst. hundred percent graded offensive line for the last. Write two that years. down. Write that down. Steve. You can take the Jets that. You can take that. The best offensive line in that division. In in the AFC East. Absolutely. Write it down. 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 I absolutely believe it. Mackay Beckham has a lot to prove. Uh, they they have they added Tomlinson. That offensive line is stacked, and I yes, I believe that offensive line will be the best offensive line in the AFC East this year. Snook says, "Is the Jets effect like the butterfly effect? They've played well like the last twenty years. They're going to come of age, hit free agency, and go win Super Bowls." J E T S. If it wasn't Jeff, it was me, and we all know how I say stupid things. Listen, Snug could say whatever he wants. He's a Patriot fan, so I'm not really hurt for what he says. You know what I mean? It's just it is what it is. What Snug what comes out of his mouth? So go 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 into the Jets is like getting Parkinson's. Everyone becomes real shaky. Yeah. Okay. Oh wait, wait, hold on a second. Brett Favre went to the Jets. He had a great season with the Jets, right? Uh, Arrow. CJ, yes, until December, yeah. CJ Mosley, <laughs> CJ Mosley. Ever since he's come to, it, besides being hurt, he, last year he was fantastic. To say that players come to the Jets and they fail, that's not true. Cromartie was a good Jet, so. Cromartie. Yeah, um, yeah, no, Curtis Martin was Brandon Martin. Marshall. Brandon Marshall was good. Eric Decker there's, was good. There's and, been well, a few of them, but it seems like the Jets have a quota, never more than one. I, I I disagree. Well, Marshall and Decker at the same time. It just Decker was hurt a lot the second. No, it wasn't the same time. Decker was there before him. Oh yeah, but they they both had their best year the same year in 2015. That's fine. Decker yeah. had two back to back. I think three th- uh, 900 yards, thousand yards, thousand yards. Decker was a good Jet. Mm. He was a good Jet. So to, to sit here and say that the Jets don't have good players that come there and win and play well for them, that's a lie. They do. Jones, the running back, when he came to the Thomas Jets, Jones, yeah. Thomas Jones was a good Jet. Mm-hmm. Yep. Please, the only good thing Eric Decker did when he was a Jet was throw that flag 40 rows into the stands. Oh, stop. And then Marcus Peters did the same thing two years later as a Chief. No, it's interesting because, uh, you know, when, when you talk about – uh, now the free agents market is almost over, and now you're talking about the draft right now. Now you're trying to figure out what teams need to do to really get themselves, you know, but in the, contention. But the free agent market isn't over though. There's still a ton of players. Yes, that gonna get- yes, but you, it's slowed down now. Everybody's looking towards the pro days in the draft. Those players aren't going to be picked up until the end of the draft no, when they fill in their spots. All of those players are going to you're going to end up getting on reasonable contracts. Yes, after the draft, after you fill up your roster, teams are going to be looking at the draft and trying to fill in the spots that they need to clean up. And then when they 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 drafted the players that they needed, then they'll start adding the veteran players where they think could fit. So yeah, I, I think right now you're you're not going to see a lot of free agency signings until this draft, which the draft is what twenty days away. Not only that, the value might go up once they figure out the holes of a particular team for certain positions. I think that's what guys like Honey Badger are waiting for. These receivers that are left. Honey Badger will not be signed until the end of the draft. I, that's what I'm thinking too, just because they know the value of it a little more, especially with his versatility too. Somebody like that, so the team will be able to figure out. All right, we couldn't draft this, or we drafted this player, this position instead. We drafted a good value pick. You ready? You ready to see? You ready to hear where I think the Honey Badger is going to go? Arizona. That's where I think he's going to go. Back to Arizona. All right. right. That's where I believe he's going to go. He, uh, he, he, he I don't know. Team. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of riding this whole Saints wave. Yeah. He took his, yeah, he took his first visit with the Saints. That today. don't mean anything. Uh-huh. That don't mean anything. The Saints have $20 I million think, dollars in cap, but they have a lot of other things to fill right now because they have so much deficiencies on offense right now. You know now. where Carl Matthews is going? Where? He's coming to the Dallas Cowboys. No, he's oh. <laughs> yeah, okay. They don't have the money. 
They yeah, don't okay. have money. They can't even. They, actually, they do have the money. Actually, that they, they yeah. have to fifteen give them, million. But you do. still have a, again. You have they the, do actually have the money. They but again, you have a lot of other things to fill, just like the Saints do, Nathan. So. But, but, Right, but the the Dallas Cowboys are just the New York Jets South, right? Like they're not getting anybody either. Like no, unless you've been to prison, they're not getting. <laughs> dude, Devontae Parker could have gone there. And he was like, dude, send me to the cold. That's how bad I don't want to go to Dallas. Well, for, hold hold on a second. The Jets added some good pieces this offseason. Players that did want to come to the Jets, and they didn't have to overpay them. They didn't overpay, uh, you know. Um, the Thomas tight ends and, yeah. Con- and Conklin and Tomlinson, they don't right. overpay all of their players. They actually got good contracts, affordable contracts, and, and the Jets could decide what they're going to do moving forward. So I, 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 I think you're wrong on this, Jets, uh, Jeff. The Jets have done, you know, they've made some good moves this offseason, and you did say the Jets made some good moves. So- I like the Lake and Tom. I like the Lake and Tomlinson move. I'm still unsure what they're doing at center, but center is not like. You know, a position you desperately need. Well, you can find someone to play well, center. Well, M- like... McGovern last year was a top five center in the league. He was. I mean, rating-wise, he was a top center. Now they could decide what they're doing. I, I think McGovern is an injury-prone player. But when he does play, he plays well. And he's the weakest of that offensive line now, if you look at the offensive why is, line. Why is that argument okay to use for a Jet? But when I say Devontae Parker gets hurt, but when he's healthy, he's good, you're, you, you, you yell at it. That's crazy. No, That's but crazy because um, because McGovern is a top five center last year. He was great, but he still has the same problem Devontae Parker has, so he can't be all that good. And you're right, and that's why I'm just I, using that Devontae Parker. And that's why this is your argument. And, you're, and that's why you're right, and that's why the, what the Jets did this offseason is re re-sign McDermott and re-sign uh, what's his name again, uh, Freeney. Or Feeney. Feeney. I don't yep. know why. Feeney. They, I don't know why they let go of Ryan Griffin. I thought Ryan Griffin was a pretty good player. They have too many tight ends. They brought in Conklin. They brought in uh, Osama. So they don't. That's too many tight ends to the roster. They're going to have to pay. Uh, so I, that's why they gave up Ryan Griffin. Uh, I think they would have kept Ryan Griffin if it, if there wasn't. And they also have the kid that they brought from Buffalo last year, Croft. Yeah, Croft who played well. So they got three tight ends. Oh, he stinks. Well, he played well. He last really, year. I wouldn't say stinks. He's, he he got he's hurt. A, he's a lower dude, end dude, tight end, like dude, a starting dude, tight he, end. But dude, he he fucking stinks. If you can't get ahead of Dawson Knox, who by the way dropped like five balls every game, you're not that good. Dawson Knox was good statistically last year, though, Jeff. Dude, how many? Oh, yeah, oh yeah. Go look up the drop statistic. Is that a statistic that would be good? He led the league in drops. Is that good? No, but I, I would say for a guy that okay, was a so sixth-round so pick then, tight end, so then, for who's a, like so a fourth then, target, I would say he did well. It doesn't matter. Dude, it doesn't matter where you're picked. If you're in the game, perform. And you say he's good statistically, and I just gave you a statistic that he led the league in that is the worst statistic to lead the league it's in. Fine. And you still stand by. He was good statistically. He's the third guy in a depth shit. chart. All right, he's the third guy in a depth chart. The Jets aren't going to use him as much as they're going to use Conklin and Osama. And, and, and to me, the Jets have had – this is the best tight end – uh, when it comes to depth that they've had. I, I don't remember the depth that they had at the tight end position. So this is a good de- – if they could stay healthy, they, they uh, you're giving you're giving Zach Wilson two really big, strong, uh, depthful pieces in the open field. Now, they we'll still see, need a yeah, number we'll one. See. They need a number one. They definitely need one. And, and they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do either in the draft or free agency or, or, or trade. I think they're going to do it in the draft. And I, I, I'm hearing Garrett Wilson – I I've, I had here less London Drake. You Garrett Wilson. I, they're going to pick him yes. at four. Yeah, but I, I no, I, I think that I, I think they're going to go for a pass rush at four. Mm. Um, I don't think that they can wait that long. I think I think if you like 
it, like you can always get there's good pass rushers later. You can get Jermaine. Uh, uh, I don't know if it's Jermaine Johnson, Jermaine kid Johnson, from Florida yeah. State. Yeah. yeah, you can get that kid. And, and to, dude, he's still a dynamic pass rusher, dude. Like you're still going to get a great pass rusher at ten. I, I don't think the Jets are going to draft a wide receiver at four. I, I, I think I even think they'll trade down at ten and still probably try to get Garrett Wilson there. And I and I honestly don't believe. And listen, this is just my belief about the Jets, and it is what it is, right? I think they're taking wide receiver at four because I don't think that they want to give any other team incentive to maybe trade ahead of them and take the wide receiver they want. Like, I don't think that they want to take the chance on waiting till 10 and maybe someone takes the guy that they really wanted. I think they're going to take the guy that they want at receiver because it it would seem to me that that's where they're most – listen, I'm just – I'm reading the Tyree Kill trade and all that they would have given up and saying – they look like they're desperate to get a wide. Well, receiver. they do. They and want so, a number. They want a number one right, guy. So, and Elijah so Moore. They think Elijah Moore could be a number one, but Elijah Moore has to stay healthy <clears throat> to do that. So they're going. They have to take. They have right. to go after. And Garrett Wilson, after the pro day that he had, he had a fantastic pro day. Uh, Very good. I, I I don't think it's going to be London now. I think it's Garrett Wilson. Where I think the Jets really want Garrett Wilson, but right, I don't. But this, I think I still think I he's going to be there they, at ten. I still right, think but this is why there. this is why I yeah, but you don't wait till 10 and maybe someone takes a guy you really wanted, right? You don't see them being desperate for a pass rusher and trying to trade all these assets for a pass rusher. They're doing that for a receiver. So that makes me think four is wide receiver for them, 10 is pass rusher. Hmm. It's going to be interesting. But I I I think it's it's Garrett Wilson number 1. I still think if Garrett Wilson is not on the board when they draft a wide receiver, it will be Drake London. Um, I heard they and like. What if he's gone? And what if he's gone? That they're, they're, both yeah, of those guys are going to get gone. a good value somewhere else with another position because right. something else will right, fall. But, right, but here's the problem with like here's the problem with what people do with the draft. Okay, mm-hmm. there's runs on positions, and as soon as the first wide receiver is taken, people start to panic and go, "Oh shit, I better take a wide receiver because I don't know if they're going to be there in the second round or who falls or whatever." And so there'll be a run on players. And if there's a wide receiver taken at five or six, you'll see another one taken. At I will. I will say so, after right? after the Saints made that trade with the Philadelphia Eagles, <clears throat> I expect the Saints to draft a wide receiver yeah. at one of those picks. I believe it because I, I still think they're going to trade Michael Thomas before the season starts. Look, yeah. look, you you saw the same thing happen last year at the draft. That as soon as and I forget who like when JC Horn was taken and whatever. Yeah, Sertan went after that. Yeah, right. As soon as the first receiver came off the board, everyone oh shit, and they started taking receivers. Like like I think picks ten through fourteen were all receivers or something. Mm. Well, the other thing too is if the Jets get the value of another position too, maybe that'll open the the door for them to make that kind of trade for one of the guys we were talking about. If Because odds are not all those guys are going to be signed before the draft either. Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, McLaurin, etc. are going to be signed. So maybe that ups the leeway for them to make that kind of trade because the longer you wait, if you're Tennessee or Washington to sign these guys, the more the value could drop off. Not necessarily a big drop off because they're all young players, but still might help the value where the Jets could get them at a lesser price than I think the Jets would be smarter to draft a wide receiver than go after a free a guy that you have to trade for because you have control of them for five years and you want them to grow with Zach Wilson and and remember Zach in, Wilson's going to get paid in four years. Right. 
So in you, theory, you have control of them for five years. Yeah, but, but you it's know only what? In theory. Yeah, but you you know what I mean. You have Zach Wilson. You're gonna have to pay him for pay him right. in four God, years. Right, but God forbid they have like a, a Jamar Chase type season or something, and then year three rolls around and they all pull the Ezekiel Elliott and say, "I'm not playing unless you pay me." So yes. In theory, it's five years with team control and all that, but they can certainly make noise and make make a problem for you. Plus, yes, and plus you want to bring in a guy that is not, you know, alarming personality. And I, I think Garrett... They all will, have that. Yeah, but I, 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 you know, I listened to Garrett Wilson's interview. I think Garrett Wilson is a sincere wide receiver. I don't know if they, that's who the Jets are going to get because he might not be there when the Jets but, draft. Yeah. But you know, you know who was one of the nicest wide receivers you'd ever meet? Oh. Henry Ruggs. How'd that turn out? Remember, his his best friend died in a car accident that he right, believes he, he believes he nice should have been in the car but... doing. He, he should have been the guy in the car. He really right. believed that he should have been dead. Right, but all of these dudes have have some kind of like god complex kind of thing happening yeah. for them, you know. Yes, you're you're absolutely. So you never right. really know what yeah. you're getting. So I mean, just draft them on talent. That yeah. I mean, oh, oh, I mean, what? Obviously, you like Garrett Wilson, Speedy. What? What do you think about Garrett Wilson? I mean, I, by the I way, think, I was the first yes, one telling you about yes, Garrett Wilson. Yes, Everyone you, else was like Olave, Olave, Olave. I said, dude, he's not even the best person on his no, own. No, you you team. said that Garrett Wilson's a top two wide receiver in this draft. Yeah, I was always I down on Olave as well. Like, I always thought he was more of the. I was always more I thought he was the short route type exclusively, but he might be a little better than that. But yeah, Garrett Wilson, I would say, is a. One of the probably the best route runner in this draft, crispness in terms of the intermediate routes, deep threat, good, well rounded player. And the Jets could use him with the same kind of motion that they use Elijah Moore, too. I think they're very similar. I think Wilson's I think Wilson's got a little more complete of a route tree. And I think that'll help complement Elijah Moore well. And definitely Corey Davis, who I don't think is a great route runner. And Jeff, uh, I mean, what is his strength? I mean, you've watched a lot. Garrett Wilson is a player. I think there's so a, there's there's three wide receivers you want. Any one of them will be fine. Will be perfect. Will be whatever. Right? Just because you miss on one, if you get another, it's not really a loss. They're all great players that can all. Who are the loose. three? There's Jameson Williams, right? Drake London, Garrett Wilson. What was that? I'm sorry, Jeff. Uh, to... J- Jameson Williams, Drake London, Garrett Wilson. And you think all three of them are complete players? All three of them are – yeah, they can all run routes. They all got great hands. They're all fast. Garrett Wilson lacks a bit of size. Mm-hmm. Like he's not – like look, Drake London's a big receiver. Right. Jamison Williams is a big receiver. Garrett Wilson is, is – it Six foot. Know, and this, yeah. this isn't – right. This isn't a knock. I'm not knocking him. Mm-hmm. He's just an average size receiver, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he can still run – like a deer, he's got great hands. He can run routes. Like he's he, he's everything you could possibly want. And he can make tough catches too, which you don't see a lot of the smaller guys do at that level. Yeah, he's a he's a great player. He, I I certainly and listen, everyone is everyone's success is going to be based on you know fit and where they're drafted, sure. and you're going to see guys not succeed because they're they've been drafted to horrific teams. And I'm not calling out the Jets, but look at Trevor Lawrence, clearly the best quarterback. Didn't have a great year. Why? The Jaguars suck a bag of dicks. And honestly, if you look at Trevor Lawrence's numbers, they were, it wasn't that bad of a year for for what what you saw Trevor Lawrence had had to throw. I mean, they to. pretty much got blown out every day, though. Yeah, yeah but I, I'm I I looked at, the other day. I was I was looking at Trevor Lawrence's numbers, and and he lost his three top wide receivers in the you know last seven games of the season. I mean, his numbers are he almost threw four thousand yards. I'm so sick of the numbers thing, dude. Who, who was the best rookie quarterback last year? Mac Jones. 
And go look at his numbers. They're not good. They're not. He had one 300-yard passing game, and the rest of the year he averaged 171 Yeah, yards. but the, 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 that was because of the pace of the game and the way they used him. And, he, and, and by the way, he didn't okay, have so, – and, okay. and his, numbers, his numbers were good. He was 22, 22 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. He almost had 4,000 yards as a rookie. That's pretty damn good. 67% completion percentage. That's good numbers, dude, man. Dude, he, go and look at, like, game by game. It's not good. There's it's st- not. There's still good numbers, Jeff. You can't say that it's not. They're not. There's numbers aren't very good. That's the for that's almost four thousand yards as a rookie is not good. Dude, he only had one three hundred yard passing game. Okay, one and every dude he averaged one hundred. Do me a favor, Speedy. Do me a favor. Look at the 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 last four years of quarterbacks and their numbers after the season. I'm willing to bet you Mac Jones's numbers were the best out of any quarterback in the last four years. Dude, I'm telling you, you go game by game, it's not all that great. I'm just I'm just saying, go look at the, the last four years, rookie quarterbacks, and look at their numbers. I'm an, I'm willing to bet that he's in a top three in every single statistic. So yeah, I would highly doubt that. So we'll start with Josh Allen. Josh Allen's rookie year, uh, 2007. He didn't start the whole year. It doesn't matter. Go. 2,774 yards. Stop saying the whole year. Tell me what they got their, fir- their first year. Ten <laughs> touchdowns and 12 interceptions. <laughs> His rookie year, so that was Josh Allen. Lamar Jackson, did, again, did not play the whole year. I don't care. Go. Could you stop with the whole year? Just spit out the numbers. You're just so slow. I, I, you, you type so fast, but you can't find something. Dude, he played Carolina, had 139 yards. Yeah, what are you looking for? That's rookie, 2018. Rookie with quarterbacks, the QBs. In, the in eight games. One thousand two hundred yards, had six touchdowns and three interceptions, and on and the rushing yards too. He had six hundred ninety-five rushing yards and five touchdowns in those eight games, his rookie year. Um, all right, I got Kyler Murray now. Jeff, I have a question for you after he's done. No, again, Nathan, I gotta, I gotta okay. find Kyler. Yeah, Murray. Jeff, I, I just want to get your thoughts. So I know you watch a lot of. Uh, Go look. Like, Go ahead, Speedy. Look, Jeff. I just want to get your thoughts on four receivers that that, that that's not getting talked about here in the draft: Chris Olave, Christian Watson, George Pickens, and Dotson from Penn State. Is Jeff there? Here, yes. He here. He heard you. Hold on. Here, I got. I got. I got a whole thing right here. Russell Wilson, his rookie season. His rookie season, he had three thousand one hundred eighteen yards, twenty six touchdowns, and ten interceptions. His rookie season, 2012. Robert Griffin, his rookie season, 3,200, 20 touchdowns, five interceptions. Uh-huh. Baker Mayfield, 14 games, 3,725 yards, 27 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Mac Jones is number four in the last 10 years of quarterbacks. You know what's hilarious about those numbers, though? Mm. Baker Mayfield missed, like, four games that year and still was only 100 yards behind Mac Jones. So the the numbers are skewed because, dude, Robert Griffin's rookie year, he tore his ACL and he missed a bunch of time, too. Mm. So it's not like those numbers are exactly on level playing ground. But I will say this. Justin Herbert, his rookie season was fantastic. I mean, 4,336 yards, 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. (laughs) 
I mean, those are, that's fantastic. Joe Burrow, his rookie year, played 10 games, 13 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, 65.3% completion percentage. And Kyler Murray's rookie year, 64.4% completion percentage, 20 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions, and also added uh, 544 rushing yards and 4 touchdowns. The fact is is that I, I think Mac Jones, I mean, he, he doesn't – he wasn't as bad as statistics as you think he was. And, no, and yeah, stats all, don't, not, stats not, don't really not. show everything. I understand that. But he, his completion percentage was very high because the Patriots ran their offense with short passes no more than 15 yards. So, yes, that's the way they – because he was a rookie. And that's the way you start rookies. You don't start them off throwing 20, 30-yard passes down the field unless you have weapons like Justin Herbert had. Okay? No, listen. I totally get that. And I'm not saying he had a bad year, but like the, the problem is he wasn't as good as people are saying he wasn't, but he wasn't as bad as you make it out to be. I'm not saying he was bad. I'm not saying he was bad at all. Uh, That's Snug- the problem. Snug also says Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott, 36, 67 yards, 23 touchdowns, yeah. four interceptions, yeah. his yep. rookie year, one, 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 one rookie of the year that yep. year as well. It's a mile ahead of Mac Jones. Yeah, but he also had freaking Zeke Elliott that was up for rookie of the year too. He was yeah, running the crazy, right. running the ball. Right, 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 that was right, one of her best right, years that year. I, I think that was uh, 2013. It was 2016. You guys went 13 and three in the regular season, lost twice to the Giants, and then fell apart in the playoffs against the Packers. Oh, is Nathan another Cowboys? Fan? Yes, he is. I am. Cow- oh yeah, you, you don't know I'm a Cowboys fan. Where have you been? <laughs> It's like they're, they're like cockroaches. You can't get rid of them. And every time, if you see one, there's like five under the couch or something. I don't know, you know like, Jeff. I don't know if you got my question about those receivers, but what was your question? What was the, yeah, what was the list of receivers? Yeah, I, no, Jeff. I, I, I want to get Jeff's thoughts on Chris Olave, Christian Watson, George Pickens, and Dotson from Penn State. So Chris Olave, George Pickens, Jahan Jahan Dotson. Who was the other one you said? Uh, George uh, and Christian Watson from North Christian North Watson. Yeah. Christian Watson certainly lasts for me. He's a second round pick. Yeah, I'm not. He's out of that. Out of so out of that list of receivers, all due respect to Chris Olave, I'm taking George Pickens first on that list. George Mm. Pickens, dude. George Pickens tore his ACL in like August Mm. and still came back and played in the championship game. He did something more impressive than Jalen Waddle did. Yeah, when Jalen Waddle came back from the the Achilles tear, and George Pickens has size, speed, and hand. Dude, if you throw a ball up, George Pickens is coming down. Yeah, who's George Pickens play for? Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, yeah, Georgia. Mm. And so I probably have a who? Who is the other one? It was it was Jahan Dotson, Christian Watson, and Chris Olave. Dotson's good. Yeah, yeah, it's. I think it's like I, I couldn't I couldn't choose between the two. They're they're kind of the same. They're kind. Olave and Do- Jahan Dotson are both really fast players, but they're really undersized. They both run good routes. Like they're kind of the same player. I think Olave's going to be overrated in this league. I really do. I don't really like him. Again, it just depends on where he goes, though. Yeah. Yeah. I like Dotson a little more as a deep threat, though, comparatively to Olave. Beyond that, yeah, you're right, Jeff. I think they're pretty similar in terms of the overall skill sets. Yeah, they're just, you know, they're both fast. They're both, you know, six feet. They're not like anything big. 
The no. Cowboys, the Cowboys aren't drafting a wide receiver until the second round, Nathan. I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, so George Pickens will not be there, right? I doubt it. Not for the not yeah. for Dallas's pick because Dallas's pick is late. So George yeah. Pickens' odds are are going to probably go the uh, the uh, beginning of the second round. Huh. Dude, dude, George Pickens has intangibles, bro. He has length and size, and if you just throw a ball up, he's going to catch it. He is a terrific football player, and you didn't really get to see it because of the injury last year. He right. missed most of last year. But when you look at the you look at the big plays last year that Georgia made, they were all the George Pickens. Yeah, and I, I look at the 2019 season a little more to show his skills when they didn't have as much of the quarterback play after from after from got drafted into the NFL, where they were kind of going in that transitional phase with the quarterbacks, and it was all of the running and, and defense like a traditional SEC team more, and they. I think that year really showed that his skill sets, he could make the tough catches. He's good, a good route runner and he can line up anywhere on the field. So Let, let's, let's be honest about last year's Georgia team. One, they just scored again. Okay? <laughs> but, besides that, but besides that, right? Like, like oh, the other he is, is a big dude. Stet- George Stetson, Stetson, Stetson Bennett stunk, right? Sure. Like if we're being honest, Stetson Bennett wasn't a good quarterback, no. right? He wasn't making great throws or whatever. Right. right? But when they needed him to throw down the field, like late in the year, all of those throws went to George Pickens. Yep. What does that tell you about George Pickens? Mm. And by the way, he made those plays. What yeah. did he? What did he? Did he was it like sixty-five yards or something? The one against Alabama that yep. he caught down the first the quarter. Yeah, that was huge. And he ran. He ran his forty at four point four seven. Right. Which... Uh, and that's on a brand new. ACL though. Yeah. He got him on, and he and he and he made that catch against Alabama on a brand new ACL, like not healed yet. George Pickens is a player, dude. Yep, and they say he he's a forty-seven. They they believe McShay believes he's a forty-seven pick to Indianapolis via huh. Washington. Wow, that's what they're saying. I mean, Snug says the Cowboys attack themselves; they don't need any help. He's a big man, Pickens. He's almost six dude, four. I told you. Yeah. But that's what, what I'm telling you, right? He can run like a deer when he's healthy. He can run. Dude, even on a new ACL, he was running by the Alabama cornerbacks. Yep. They're not slow players. Nope. So like says, he was just going up and getting balls, man. He's got intangibles that I really like. Suck so like says the Cowboys attack themselves. They don't need any help. Uh, Breaking news, Tyree, in a shocking move, Tyree Kill is named the starting quarterback for the Dolphins. <laughs> so if Tyree Kill gets 900 yards, that's so-so. But if Eric Derrick... Eric Decker does it on the Jets. It's good. Yeah, because he had freaking Fitzpatrick to light him up. Yeah. (laughs) I think uh, Teddy Bridgewater Bridgewater has a chance to start in Miami. If uh, this this puts the pressure on Tua. It could be an insurance policy. I still think by the end of the draft, Baker Mayfield's going to be dangled out there. I still think Miami is going to be interested in Baker. I I do. I mean, I, I don't see Baker... Because we all know Deshaun Watson's not starting the season. Now, now, if the Browns decide to hold on to Baker, he will start. But like Jeff said, it's hard to believe that Baker will be uh, a Brown by the season yeah. starts. So th- there's a good chance that Miami is a team. Pittsburgh, I still believe Pittsburgh will be interested in Baker, um, being that he is available. But I'm not giving so, up a first-round draft pick for him. The other so thing, too, is – go ahead, Jeff. Huh? So Nathan's a Cowboys fan. Who does he want yeah. to see them take at what are they at twenty three or something or nineteen or? Um, let me. Yeah, I think I, obviously. Um, I think we're in the twenties. Well, yeah, you guys. Are, you guys are the first. You guys are first round exit playoff team. Yeah. So I think we're twenty three, right? Let me let me check. Hold on. 
We need a we need a we need a wide receiver, team. but you're not drafting yeah. a wide receiver. No, no, I, no we need more we need more defense, I but I are. think they're gonna go I feel like twenty four. Uh, yeah, in twenty four. So I feel like the Cowboys will go either offensive line, which they need to improve on, I think. They need we need uh, more depth there. Uh we can always we can't go you can't go wrong with defense. I think we there's a chance that we might go defense. So as a Cowboy fan, you like Errol said, you can find receivers in the second round. So if I were the Cowboys, I would focus on defense here in the first round and or offensive alignment. That's my opinion. I think um, I just I just I can't, can't see the Cowboys after getting CD Lamb no. in the first round. I can't see them drafting at twenty four a wide receiver. They need they just so much. lost two wide receivers. I know. They just lost I know. Two wide receivers. No, we're going to get a receiver. No, no, we're definitely getting no. Derry Jones is looking for another receiver. That's why they were interested in Devontae Parker. I'm just happy that they didn't get him because the Dolphins was asking for a first round pick to, for, from Dallas, and we're not. I don't know what GM would trade Devontae yeah. first round pick yeah. for Devontae Parker. They got no, number so- fifty six. They have an early. They they have a mid uh, second round pick and they could still yeah, get a wide receiver. Drive, I think the Cowboy. I think Jerry Jones is he wants that Arkansas guy. He's an Arkansas guy. Anyway. He's not going to be there at fifty six. They have to trade up for him. They for got the Cowboys have one, two, three, four fifth round picks, which I believe they'll use to trade up in the third round or the second round if they really. Yeah. Want so them. first round, in my opinion, that we need to focus on offensive linemen. In my opinion, there's a couple of good offensive linemen out there after. Neil and uh, uh, Limerbaum. Uh, what's the guy? Limerbaum's not going to fall to twenty four. No, You'd no probably way. have to trade up for him. He might fall okay. the middle of the first round just because of position. They're saying but... he. They're saying he might go up even at, at twelve or thirteen. Uh, yeah, Limerbaum's going to. God, I know exactly who they're taking. <laughs> oh, oh, this is dude. It's such a no brainer. I, dude. So you know, oh. I still get like updated like projection charts and stuff and whatever. <laughs> Dude, twenty four is going to be Traylon Burks. Oh, oh no, 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 Traylon Burks at twenty four. All right. Dude, yeah, but dude, I mean, just do the math on this one. Just do, just do a little bit of math on this one. With, uh, they need wide receiver. They just lost two of them. They lost Amari Cooper. They need another yep. weapon. Right. As much as they need all O line, and and Penning could be in that spot too. That kid from Northern Iowa, and maybe they take him. Maybe. But where did Jerry Jones go to school? Arkansas. <laughs> ah, that's Where did true. Jerry Jones go to school? That is true. Arkansas. Arkansas. Where'd he go? Yep. Arkansas. 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 Where's Traylon Burks go to school? Arkansas. Arkansas. Yep. Makes too much sense. Plus, he's got the body shape. Uh, you know, he's a big. And he loves drafting Arkansas dudes. How many Arkansas dudes Felix has Jones, he taken over the years? I think Felix Jones was the last Arkansas we drafted, right? Yeah, and then they also signed Darren McFadden in 2014 yeah, or whatever. <laughs> when he was like an older running back. And well, he, he wanted actually to did a thousand yard season with, he, the, with he, the Cowboys. He wanted to draft Darren McFadden, but he, he actually was the fourth or sixth round pick, sixth pick in the first Yeah, he was round. the fourth overall pick. And the, the Cowboys were a playoff team that year, so that yeah. was going to be unlikely. As a Cowboys so, fan, so do the like math on that. How hard is it that if Traylon Burks is there, you don't think he's taking the kid from Arkansas? He could. We need another defensive player, and we need an offensive lineman. So they I definitely think... need defensive players for sure yeah. because that de- that defense has some good star power, but not enough of like depth all around. Especially, we saw the outside opposite pass rusher do well last year with Randy Gregory, yeah, but then Demarcus out, Lawrence had on... some trouble. Yeah, we need another pass rusher. We lost out on Von Miller. Gregory really screwed the Brown. Cowboys, man. Boy, did yeah. he have a when? Actually, it was the Cowboys that tried to screw him. You have it backwards. Well, um, yeah, but they they offered him the same amount of money. We lost out on Bobby Wagner, man. I really wanted. They also tried to put in his contract clauses that would void the thing. 
if uh, he got some surgery or whatever. And the Broncos were like, we don't give a shit if you get surgery and we'll give you the same money. Uh-huh. And he was like, oh, you're treating me better than the Cowboys? <laughs> he, Randy Gregory didn't screw the Cowboys. The Cowboys screwed themselves by trying to, at the very end, throw in protection language where they could recoup money. That's uh-huh. on them. Uh-huh. And the other, the- So Randy Gregory didn't screw anybody. Nathan, the other thing they could look at, too, is definitely some secondary depth, too, because yeah. while Trayvon Diggs did have the interceptions, he also struggled with big plays a lot of the time, yeah. too. So they need somebody that could help maybe as a safety or and even another second corner that could take on number one receivers on occasion, too, in certain matchups. And there's a lot of corner depth in this draft, yeah. so they, they, they should be able to get somebody good at 24. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's all well and good, love... Speedy, But you uh, know what? Uh, when was the last time Jerry Jones gave a good goddamn about defense? That's fair. It, no, the only dr- position the Cowboys seem to draft in the first bound, round are linebackers. But yeah, that's no, no. Or, the only or, time or yeah, you know, you know, what, you know, we're, we're, we're all of a sudden we're we're trying to all of a sudden we're we're focusing on defense since Dan Quinn is here, um, because I I feel, I feel like this is all this is all setting up to be either being Dan Quinn as the next head coach. Or something like having McCarthy. Of- this is the last year for McCarthy. If they no, don't win know, anything, I'm he's gone. I want I want Sean Payton to. I want here's my my prediction as a Cowboy fan. I want this to happen. Either it's Dan Quinn as the next head coach or Sean Payton. It is Sean Payton. They're gonna have to give up picks for Sean Payton. But I think the reason why Sean Payton Payton retired the way he did, he was gonna take off a year, you know, spend time with his family. His family, his main family, lives in Dallas. He wants to stay. He wants to move in Dallas. Him and him and Jerry Jones are very <laughs> close. I believe he's the next coach to the uh, to the Dallas Cowboys. That'll change everything in Dallas. They'll become winners. Though. I don't know about that, but I believe of that. Of course not. I, I believe Peyton. <laughs> I believe Peyton's the next head coach for the Dallas Cowboys. I do. I really do. So I don't think it's a coincidence on why he took off for the whole year. But they, like I said, he's still under contract with the Saints. So guess what? When he does become available, they're going to have to give up at least a second round pick to get him. Sean Payton's had more playoff wins in the last five years than the Cowboys have had in the 21st century. They might even have to give up a first. It depends on where they're drafting. Yeah, they might. It depends on where they're drafting. It's not going to matter. Dude, Sean Payton is looked at in the not on equal ground, but basically as Bill Belichick. Yeah, he's royalty. And what did the, what did the Jets get for Belichick? A first and a third. Mm-hmm. There's your Sean Payton compensation. They're gonna have to give up. They're gonna have to give up something for him. That's for sure. You know, because uh, he he. I do believe. I absolutely believe Sean Payton's the next head coach for the Dallas Cowboys. Stop! Stop making sense. Like seriously, stop. You're talking to Cowboys fans. <laughs> they all they're all drunk and think they're playing Madden. Where we're gonna get this guy? We're gonna get the. How did that work? You guys built some fantasy team and it all blew up in your face because you're all idiots. Maybe show some sense going forward. Well. <laughs> uh, the the one thing the Cowboys do have, uh, listen, they ma- they made the right choice uh, tra- drafting Micah Parsons. They got very yeah. lucky with that. Yeah. They got yeah. very lucky with him. That he's special. Yeah, he's special. He really is. CD Lamb the year before that, good draft yeah. pick. But you yeah. know what the problem is? Jerry Jones will find a way to fuck it up. You're talking about the same guy that wanted to draft Johnny Mans. Oh, Johnny Mans. What you know what yeah, I couldn't believe. Miles Jack went to Pittsburgh for nothing. No money. I mean, he got signed a one-year deal. I think, yo, Pittsburgh we got, got, we got, we got, We got Dante Fowler. So. Dante oh, Fowler? Yeah. <laughs> a guy that's been a product of other good defensive talking, lines. I'm bringing up Miles Jack, an all-pro type of <laughs> linebacker, and you're bringing up Dante Fowler. 
Are you kidding me? I'll admit he played well for the Rams when they traded for him initially, but that was really it. Beyond that, he's been a product of having a lot of talent around him in Jacksonville and then with the Rams. When he They're going to regret it. Jacksonville's going to regret it. How well did he play it. with Atlanta, Nathan? <laughs> Not, wasn't very good. So Jacksonville's going to regret not so, re, uh, doing something. Jacksonville's going to regret a lot of things they've done. I mean, why would you like uh, – you didn't get anything back for him either. I mean, I would have I would have franchised him and then traded him. I, that's what I would have done. I mean, because the value of finding a linebacker that good, who's good in the open field, who actually can shut down tight ends, they're not easy to find. The funny thing is I think he's the la- he was the last guy left of the 2017 Saxonville defense. <laughs> now they all just asked for out. <laughs> Five years later, I mean, he, oh, he, why didn't he choose Dallas? That's that's unfortunate. Yeah, right. he didn't choose Dallas. And I and I and I, I like what he did with Pittsburgh because I think Pittsburgh is going to sign him for the long haul. But they he they didn't have the money this year to give him the extension, so he right. signed him one year, and then next year they're going to give him a long term deal. And he Dude, and, Pittsburgh Pittsburgh building a monster. They they were, oh, they were already good on defense, and they're adding some good defensive pieces. And they're going to have Brian Flores yep. helping coach that unit. If Mitch Trubisky is worth anything. Whatsoever, that's why I think I I really think that's where Baker Mayfield's going to go. That's where I think he's going to go because I could see, I could see Pittsburgh next year giving them a first round draft pick for him. I could. I still think Seattle, but we'll see. You think so? Seattle? You you think Seattle? Because I after listening to Pete Carroll with this whole the NFL rule now that you need to bring in, you need to, you have to add um, an African American coach to your 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 roster, which he got. Uh, yes, and he got very upset. Pete Carroll was uh, not for the for the good of the African American. He says he says this will never work. This will never work until the the owners actually follow through what they say they're going to follow through with. And he says they're not, and and he's right about that. But it, I do believe this is Pete Carroll's last year, and I can't see Baker Mayfield uh, going to Seattle. But again, you know they do have. They don't have two first-round draft picks because they gave one of them up to the Jets, but they do have right, that ninth pick. Right, but Cleveland is just forced to release him, he could just end up yes. choosing yes. Seattle. I, and but if he has his choice, right, if he just has Pittsburgh, his choice. I take Pittsburgh. What, I what Pittsburgh. looks better to you? Right, but it's more risky in Pittsburgh, though, mm. right? Because you'd have to compete with Trubisky. Right? And you get to compete Trubisky with the team. Trubisky might be able you're... to play. We all know Drew Locke can't play. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. If you look at Baker Mayfield right now, and you're getting you you get you pretty much got you got uh, you got thrown to the side for Deshaun Watson. What would you want to do if you were Baker Mayfield? You would like to go I, to the I same team I, in the division and go and knock off that team and kick get them out of the playoffs. I I gotcha, but I wouldn't take the chance, right? If you get released by Cleveland because they brought in Deshaun Watson and you don't beat out, Trubisky, you're right. How, how does that look for you? I think he beats out Chabinsky. I do. I, I think he's the better quarterback. And he could, but that, he could. All I'm saying is, and I'm not saying Trubisky's great or whatever, or that Baker wouldn't beat him out. And Errol's the biggest Trubisky player you know. I, I do, but I, I think I think Baker I'm, has something to prove. All I'm saying is the path would be easier. Who would be easier to beat out? Oh, Geno Smith. Drew Locke? Or yeah, Geno Drew Smith, Locke yes. Or, 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 or Trubisky. And I'm saying Drew Locke would be easier to beat out. Yes, and he has a, he has much better weapons with DK Metcalf there and and, and Tyler Lockett. No question. And that's that he why does. I would. Say, that's why. If and I he has would a, Seattle. And he has a better chance of making it to the playoffs in the NFC Dude, than the AFC. That division's you tough, don't, though. That'd be hard. You don't beat out Mitch Trubisky. That's a career ender. Mm. Snug says, Nithin is the Beavs' cousin. The Cowboys haven't stopped screwing themselves since 1995. The Cowboys should ask for... 
should look into the availability of Jason Garrett, or he might be free. Ha ha ha, yeah, Dante Fowler is the answer. Dante Fowler is not the answer. I know, no, I I was joking. Their secondary is shaky. Yeah. No, no, we need, no, that's why I said first round, the Cowboys need to focus on defense. There's a lot of good uh, secondary help in the draft. That's another thing I've heard with the Jets at four. I've heard, I've heard sauce again. I've, I've heard sauce again. Uh, uh, sauce is the boss. Yeah, that's what Who I was heard. Telling sauce before anyone mentioned him. Who was telling you about Sauce Gardner? Yeah, you did. The Cowboys. The Cowboys need to trade up for him, dude. So- sauce is going to be a top ten pick. There's you no way they they're not getting in a top ten. What are you nuts? You're going to have to give up your next year's first round. <laughs> if I cut it from twenty four to eight or whatever. <laughs> Did you just bring on another retarded Cowboys fan who's, who thinks they're getting everybody? Sauce is going in the top ten. He's not falling out of the top ten. I would say some people say Sauce is a top five pick. Dude, yeah, he's is, not going to slip dude, past this, Atlanta at eight, I would imagine. Dude, I shit you not. This is Beef 2.0 because it, beef this 2. is exactly 0. what he. This is exactly <laughs> what he would do. Oh, we're going to get this guy. Uh, oh, no, you draft 20th and 80th. Yeah. And then he'll get so mad at who they actually drafted. And thing, there's right. no there's no way in hell they're getting I know, sauce. I know, I know. There's no way. They, no matter what. They, ch- yeah. Zero chance you're getting sauce garden. Stop being beef. And I've, and I've, one of those and I've heard – and I've also heard that the Giants are very interested in sauce. If, he sit, is, if he's sitting there at seven, they're going to draft him. So that's what I heard. But if it's not them, I don't think I'm falling past Atlanta at eight because they could so use, definitely I, use him too. So, so go, if you would, go around for me. I want to hear from all of you, right? Mm-hmm. Four and t- Don't predict trades. You can't yeah. predict trades. Yeah. You, but four and ten. Who do you want for the Jets, Errol? Any order. doesn't matter. Whatever. Just who do you want? I want a pass rusher at four. So I, I take the Purdue kid or I take, uh, I'll take one. Want? I want Garrett Wilson at 10. I'll take Garrett. If Garrett Wilson's sitting there, I'm taking him at 10. Right. Okay. Um, and who would you want it for? Um, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm honestly, I don't Thibodeau? know. I, I don't know if Thibodeau's going to be there. I mean, uh, he's going to be doing his pro date, what, this week? I think his pro Walker. date. No, no, I don't. I, they could definitely maybe a walk. ten, but I don't know about four. Yeah. Walker, do you want Walker? I don't know. I don't know what the Jets will do at four. I don't know if I, I don't know if I would want Walker at four. Maybe a ten. But it's, it's not who, it's uh, sauce. Not who I, I think I, I I go after sauce because you could still who get do a best. Want I just told you sauce Gardner at four and at number. But it's not going to solve your pass rusher uh, problem. That they they have two for, they have two second early second round draft picks. They they can move up in the first round if they really want somebody, really want somebody. So right, again, no predicting trade. I'm just I'm just saying they they have two second rounds. I go after Gardner at at four, and you have you have your close down your shut down corner for for the next ten years. All right, Speedy, eight and ten. I think the are eight and twelve. Where are you? Six and eight. Where are you picking? For the you're talking about for the Jets, the Giants. the Giants, for the Giants. Oh, for, for the, the Giants, Giants, five uh, and seven. Dream scenario would be Thibodeau, but I don't think he, I don't think he'll be there. I'll say Aquanu, and I will say Karloftis. It doesn't matter who you think is going to be there. Who do you want? Oh, Thibodeau. Well, you guys are retarded. All right, yeah. All right, Thibodeau, Thibodeau, Aquanu would be the would be who I would want. Those those would be the the scenario. Okay, that would be the dream scenario. Yes. 
Who does Nithin want it? What, what, what are they picking? 24. 24. Who do you want? Aiden Hutchinson? Who, who do you want? <laughs> Aiden Hutchinson. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to get Sauce at 24. <laughs> PDP at 24. <laughs> you probably will. You probably win on that one. No, but. He'll probably talk I'll you to sleep. I'll help the Cowboys. <laughs> probably talk right, you to in sleep. All seriousness, in all seriousness, um, you know what? You know what? I'm going to take the guy from Arkansas, the receiver. All right. Traylon Burks. Who do you want from the, for the Patriots? Oh, there's only one player I want in this oh, draft. Oh. Only one. Oh. Jordan Davis. He wants Jordan Davis. I knew he was going to say Jordan Davis go. from the Georgia. I knew he was going to say Jordan somehow Davis. slips past the Chargers at 17, that would be a miracle. Right, but right, but hold on. That's also not unreasonable because no, he's I didn't say projected, that. he's projected around that yeah. area. No, right? no, no. He's 17, 18, 20. No, I know. I just think I I just feel like the Chargers, that would be a dream scenario if somehow he falls to 17 for them, because that would massively help everything they need on that defense. (laughs) Yeah, no, it it could. But you're forgetting they also they could go all line, too. Yeah, I know. I I know. They also went and got a bunch of pieces on defense. They went and got. uh, Yeah, they got Jack. They got Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, they got. Uh, They got Khalil Mack. Yeah, Khalil Mack, right. Another yeah. Khalil Mack. Sebastian right. so Joseph Day, they got two, which helps the interior as well. But I still think they could use another one there in that. Another guy. Um... Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jeff. But he's pro- but he's projected in that area. That's not oh, sure. crazy to, to say that he could get to 22 where the Patriots right. are. Yeah. That's the only one. I want to pair that fat bastard with Christian Barmore and watch anyone try to run the football on us. <laughs> Who's going to run the football guy, on um... those two fat pigs in the middle? <laughs> I don't know about fat because that guy is pretty fast to be a fat pig. Another, um, another guy Dude, that I want for trim. Dallas at 20. Mm-hmm. Who do you want? What? Uh, Amari Bono, Barno from Virginia Tech it could be a great fit for Dallas at 24. Mm. Um, you know Amari Barno from Virginia Tech? Barno. 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 From Virginia Tech, Jeff. Jeff. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I think Barno is 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 projected as a second round pick. Oh, okay. That's what I've been seeing. So yeah. yeah like early early mid second round. That's pick. what I heard. Yeah. So you'll have to trade up with their second round pick, Nathan. That would be a stupid <laughs> move by the Cowboys. Or you could trade back, Nathan. But that, those would be the only scenarios. If you took him at twenty four, that'd be too at much. 24, value. At twenty four Get the big, strong – if you're going to get a wide receiver, get Pickens, George Pickens at 24. Yeah, 24. Okay. Yeah, That's what I would do. Yeah. I, 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 Even though he's projected a second-round pick, uh, it, before he got hurt, he was projected yeah. a first-round pick. Oh, he's pick. a first-round talent for sure. So, I, so he I, might be a good value for one of those back-end playoff teams. He's the right, type that's, of guy. That's yeah. the problem with Pickens, right? And he is coming off that injury. He didn't really, you know, he rushed back. He didn't yeah. really get to see him like play like right. a, a good full year or whatever. That's the only thing I think is hurting yeah. his stock. Because I, th- uh-huh. dude, I think he really does have everything else you're really looking for. Yeah. You don't get to Georgia by mistake either. Right. No, he's big. He's strong. He can run. He he runs a four four seven. I mean, that's pretty fast for a guy his size. I mean, he's long and he doesn't drop the ball, so he's got good hands. Uh, probably some people say he's the best hands in this. I'm reading right now. He's it's, some people say he's the top three with it when it comes to the wide receivers' hands in this draft, and he's got the biggest hands in this draft out of any wide receiver. Dude, I'm telling you, George Pickens is a player, bro. I'm not. I'm. Have I ever steered you wrong? No. Have I ever told you a player was going to be good and they weren't? No. And that's why that, that's another thing when you look at the you know you look at the Patriots. If you, at 22, I mean, you could get George Pickens there. 
And they, they need to solidify your wide receiving core. Yeah, well, they just went and got Parker. So now they yeah. kind of don't need it, right? Carries on borrowed time. So, get, get, dude, I want Jordan Davis in the worst way. I know you do. The but worst is way. Is he going to be there? That's the question. It's re- but like but, you say, it's reasonable if the Chargers don't. We'll do it. see what he. Well, hold on one second. Wait until his pro day. If he's if he does that, the same thing he did at the combine his pro day. I'm telling you, he's going to move up in the draft. Yeah, but there's already players that they're they're slated ahead of him. Yeah, you're not going to see some of these other guys drop, mm-hmm. and people are going to draft based on need as well, which will also. But also, there are also, the but Jeff, there's also teams that draft about talent. I mean, Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas always says, "I pick the best player on the board." It doesn't matter what he is. Yeah, so, he's also picking need because you're seeing it, dude. He's desperate for a receiver. And no, that, that he is. picking on the Jets. That, right? We're not, I'm not picking on the Jets. That he is. That, by the way. Right. So you know he's picking receiver. But I, so it's not, oh, yeah. I'm taking the best guy on the board. But I also heard I heard that, that the Jets had four. That's why I'm unsure what four. Because I heard that the Jets might trade out of that pick. I still believe that if they get a, a boatload of picks for it, I say the Jets trade out of four. And it, I don't think I don't think you're going to see a lot of movement only because there isn't anyone like worth it really right how like for people to move way up it costs a lot in draft capital to move way up and you generally only do that for quarterbacks and they're just not there there you go Nathan you want it you want sauce Gardner for the Cowboys I trade a boatload of picks to the Jets <laughs> oh I think the Jets would do it too. Oh, in a heartbeat, they would do if it. If the Cowboys gave the Jets three first-round draft picks for the future, I think the Jets would absolutely do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the Jets would. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think, yeah, I mean, I think, every, everyone I think, should be trying to take advantage of Jerry Jones' dementia. <laughs> <laughs> I think that if, if they really, really want Sauce Gardner, I'm sure the Jets would oblige them. But you're going to have to give up three first-round draft picks for them. They'd have to, By the way, how much of a scumbag is Jerry freaking Jones <laughs> that he thinks he was a good father because over the 20 years he had this illegitimate child, he gave her gifts up to $3 million, like a Range Rover. The dude's worth billions, and he thinks $3 million bucks or for food and clothes and putting a roof overhead is doing something. Get out of here, scumbag. <laughs> it sounds like a scumbag, but you, she's still... She still Dude, he bought a two hundred and seventy million dollar boat. That's what he did. A two hundred and seventy million dollar boat is what he bought, right? And he's like, "Oh, I really did something for because I got her a car." Mm-hmm. says, Scumbag. If I was Baker Mayfield, I would want to back up Dak Prescott with the Cowboys. Duh. And hashtag ban the beef. All right, guys, we got to go. Nithin, thank you for calling. Jeff, yeah, Thursday, you can come on Thursday. We got a big show next uh, next Thursday. This Thursday, so uh, Thursday is not tomorrow, Nathan. That's the next. I know, I know, I know. Nathan, oh wait, no, it's the other way around. I was gonna say Nathan's still stuck in Costa Rica. That's actually behind us. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you are. Nathan will be there because he can't go anywhere. He's being held captive. (laughs) 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 Costa Rica's two hours behind. All he has is a chemistry set from Brown University and his Wi-Fi connection. (laughs) (laughs) And his uh, and his pamphlet of scenarios of how the Cowboys are going to get Sauce Gardner. Oh god! Oh, that's incredible! But, I love no, Cowboy fans, man. Yeah. They're so delightfully yeah, yeah, delusional. Yeah, I mean, you guys are the best. Thank you for again for absolutely, having me on. man. Absolutely. And, uh, like I said, by the way, we reached uh, for our show. We reached thousand, a thousand episodes. episodes. We know. 
today. And uh, congratulations. And uh, I want to give a shout out to RG3 for saying congrats. For your thousandth episode, are you going to try to get EJ Perry on? <laughs> no, no, but uh, no, no, no. I just want to give a big shout out to RG3 for recognizing the show. And he said he told he uh, he tweeted to us saying congrats on the thousand episode. Well, that was nice of RG. Yeah, so he, he saw the tweet on on Twitter, so he said, "Congrats, a big." Have you interviewed RG three? Not yet. We're working on it. Oh. There so. you go. So, so here's the scenario, Nathan. If you want to trade for Sauce Gardner, you need an RG three trade equivalent. Mm. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure that, like I said, I'm I'm as a oh, Jet Jets fan, will do that in a heartbeat. I, as a Jet fan, I'd oblige them. Twenty four. I take their twenty four, their first the year, but next year and the year after that, and I'll I'll Hold do on, that. Do you- Hold on. Do you want to know what it's worth? Hold on. All right. Uh, just to put it in perspective, the Rams built a great team defense with that, including drafting Aaron Donald with one of those Washington picks. So. Mm-hmm. Stuck says, what about RG3 think about EJ Perry? There you go, Nathan. If you ever do interview him, you'll have to ask him that question. Who? We'll save it just right, for you. Gotta... What does RG3 think about EJ Perry? <laughs> All, All right, Jeff. What, what do you got? All right. So the fourth pick is worth... 491 points. Mm-hmm. Dallas's pick is worth 237. So what's the gap there? Oh, wow. That's All a right. lot. 154. It's 154. Okay, so hold on. That's worth... Holy shit. <laughs> they'd have to give up next year's one. Whoa, whoa, so whoa, they'd have whoa. to give up 23rd, obviously. Whoa. or tw- uh, 24th, 24th, yes. Right? Next year's one. And next year's two. Wow, that's not bad. Um, that's not bad. Yeah, but there's still right, but there's still some leftover. Yeah, there's still some leftover on the chart here. So, uh, maybe another two. Hold on, how many points are left? Yeah, it's next year's. It's next year's one, a two, and probably a three. So a one, two, and a three next year, as well as giving up twenty four. Uh, I think that's so it's worth. So it's worth. So it's worth two ones, oh. a two, and a three. So is Sauce worth it? By yes. Doing- Sauce Garner could be could be a, a Darrell Revis type of player. Wow! Don't ruin it. Don't make him go to the Cowboys. Don't do it. <laughs> don't, uh, don't, dude. I like Sauce Gardner. I've been on him for how long have I been telling you Sauce Gardner yes. is the guy? Sauce right? is the boss. Yes. We know. You said that he's don't, the best. You said he's the best corner in this draft. And sure enough, he's risen on everyone's draft board, hasn't he? Yeah. Who do you guys have like on Thursday? What do we have on Thursday, Speedy? All right, Thursday we got uh, B Roto Fantasy Football, K Fantasy Scouts, Five Yard Rush, and the Touchdown Fantasy Writer Luke Renton at nine thirty. Right. And at ten p.m. we have Sportswire and Sportarenium Mets and MLB analyst Rob Maraska. Mm. Mm. I I know Rob Maraska. All right, okay. all right, all right. You guys Jeff, should start to get some of these first round picks on. Start with Stoss Gardner. He's on Twitter telling everyone how good he is. Why don't you get Sauce Gardner on? So reach out to Sauce. I tried. I tried. I'm going to reach out to Sauce. I'll reach out to Sauce Gardner. You know, that's what I want. I want an interview with Sauce Gardner so he can tell Nithin to his face, I don't want to play for Dallas. <laughs> 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 oh, my God. Well, he, he'd have to say to the B first because, you know. Oh. I don't know. Even the, the didn't per- the even the Beeve didn't present <laughs> Any trade scenarios yet for Sauce Gardner? Time to make the coleslaw, <laughs> dude. How many how many wacky things did he used to say? But oh, we're gonna we're gonna get this guy. No, dude, he's like a top five. Pick. No, and then, he, and then he gets disappointed. Who there they are two pick, wacky things, including CD Lamb. The two things that wacky the wacky the beef has said over the years is one, 
Zeke could run behind the same line as, as Barry Sanders, which was the probably oh, he's the better than him, though. Yes, and and the second crazy thing is that Dak Prescott at first he said Dak Prescott's going to win three Super Bowls in a row before he changed his mind. You should get a plaque for both of those. Right. He also <laughs> tries. He also, he also tries to claim that he was only joking, but when he first said it, he was basically crying on the phone, screaming at everyone how mad he was because Dak Prescott was so great, wasn't he? <laughs> Dak Prescott was so great, and he was so upset. He was all like crying on the phone, right? And then now, Beef hates him. Now Beef's like, get him off my team. Well, we after, 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 he blames him last year because of Mike McCarthy. So thank you to Mike. Anyways, guys, we'll talk to you on Thursday. Later, boys. See you. Salute. All right. Uh, that's it for our show. Thank you to Josh Ooh. Towers. He was fantastic. He really, yes. really was. By the way, great interviews with Josh Towers. And my guy, Julian, keep up the great work, man. Thank Those you. are great interviews right there. Julian Jalarte, yeah. it was fantastic. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday, so stay tuned. Great show lined up for you. Uh, awesome. I guess uh, see you then. Good night. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.